up, everything? The preseason has officially started, and Blues fans are in full-blown over-analysis mode. We're here to sort out fact from fabrication. That's right, Robbie Fabrication. On top of discussing the preseason news and notes, we'll also dive into our Central Division preview. We'll dive deep into our conference and really wallow in the suffering of the Chicago Blackhawks, as all Blues fans are wont to do. We've got lots of suffering ahead, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! Two Guys No Cup podcast. It is Thursday, September 20th. We're coming to you live. Well, not live. We're never live. But we're coming to you from our spacious and luxurious studios in Ipswich in Suffolk, England. Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We're 66 miles northwest of London, though, I'll tell you that. And when I said northwest, I meant northeast. We're also one of England's most significant historic port towns and the hometown of the famous Tudor Cardinal Thomas Wolsey. So, here we are. It's Ipswich. You're Ipswich. I'm Ipswich. The sponsors are Ipswich. It's a great week. How are you doing tonight, Ian? I'm doing fantastic. We're two weeks away from real hockey. We're like, what, 13 days from... Mm -hmm. I haven't even tweeted today. Who's a 13? Was that like... Jason Arnott. Uh, I, think Dan, I think Dan Highnote was 13. Oh, I don't think I'm finding a Dan Highnote <laughs> gift on the internet. Yeah, those were dark times. <laughs> uh, I really, do you think Dan Highnote ever had an NHL career if his last name didn't end in note? I'm not mm, sure. I don't know. He had a porn mustache. Who hasn't? So I'm just saying, I'm sure he had a fine <laughs> career before or after the NHL. And I'm sure he's a wonderful accountant or something. And we wish him good luck in his endeavors. That's exactly, exactly true. Ian, <laughs> transitioning to our first topic today, I'd like Swell. to ask you a question. Mm. As the general manager of this podcast, could you tell me one thing you're optimistic about about this episode of the podcast? We're a podcast. <laughs> Thank you for playing along with the joke. I did not let you in on ahead of time. <laughs> for those of you who aren't aware, there's more Senator's sadness to discuss, which is why we are beginning a new segment that is tentatively titled The Senator's Sadness Summit. General manager of the, uh, I almost said Belleville Senators. Might How as well. can you tell the difference? <laughs> the Ottawa Senators was on with uh, Elliot Friedman and David Amber. I think it was at the Kraft Hockeyville game. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing Something in some like that, yeah. rink in rural Ontario somewhere, I think. 
and uh, they did an interview with him during one of the intermissions, I assume, and uh, this is what happened for those of you that haven't heard it. Pierre, what's the number one thing you're optimistic about in terms of the Ottawa Senators? We're a team. Every time, every time I listen to that, I think the pause is going to be shorter. Mm -hmm. Like in my head, I'm like, it has to be shorter than I'm remembering it. But it's not. It's the longest three seconds of anyone's (laughs) life. And... By the way, there are people out there, and I get it, who are like, it's a longer clip. He said things after we're a team. But not immediately after. Mm. Like, there's big enough break that you can just cut it there. He wasn't, (laughs) like, immediately like, we're a team with a lot of young players that we're really excited to see shake it up on the NHL ice. He's like, the number one thing that defines our team is that we are... A team. We have yet. <laughs> we have not yet broken the very basic definition of an NHL yeah, team. We fit what the dictionary calls <laughs> a hockey team. Exactly. Players and jerseys on skates. I think the bigger deal. I'm is, sure at least like 19 of their players will know how to skate. Oh, so. <laughs> at least at least 19, maybe 20. <laughs> the other three on that roster. Well, you've got to have some healthy scratches. Yeah, exactly. I think the bigger deal is visually, for those three seconds, he is staring into the abyss. Yeah. His face is not, like, quizzically scrunching, like, hmm, that's a really good question, David. It's, like, just staring at nothing before he goes... I, we're a team. Like, yeah. oh, like the best answer There's back, no- just say team. <laughs> There's nothing there at all. And the sad thing is, like, you should know, if you're confident at your job, that this question is coming. Mm-hmm. This is not, like, a, an out-of-left-field question. <laughs> he wasn't like, who do you think had the highest Corsi 4 percentage on your team if you subtract... Uh, hits against, you know, I don't know. But this is a very basic question for teams rebuilding. It's like a kind of a softball. Hey, uh, we know the Senators are going to suck this year. You know the Senators are going to suck. But give your fans, like, a made-up reason. Like, (laughs) what's your tagline for why this team is going to be even borderline watchable this year? And his tagline was, we're a team. (laughs) A lot of great movies have had that tagline. I think Casablanca did. Mm. Um, Citizen Kane, (laughs) we're a team, and also Rosebud. You know, stuff like that. Classic. He was just going along with giants of the cinematic world. They need to put that, that answer on like banners. That needs to be their team motto oh, this year. For sure. When they do the 31 NHL hashtags, it should be <laughs> hashtag we're a team. <laughs> it can't be worse than hashtag altogether now STL. So uh, they'd still be second worst at best. So hey, there you go. Is that hashtag gone this year? I hope. It'll probably be what's the new slogan? Like heritage or something? <laughs> Uh, Let's just bring back I Bleed Blue or whatever. That's that was true. the best one. Or just Bleed STL Blue. Blues. Oh, yeah. That's fine, too. Oh, for a hashtag, yes. Please. Yeah. That's all I need. I, I was so tired of typing that out mm-hmm. and copying and pasting it just to get that little blue emoji to pop up 
or emoticon or whatever. Mm. You know, the little graphic. <laughs> you all know the words I mean. Make our Twitter life easier, Blues social media people. <laughs> so, yes. Even if the senators change their hashtag to hashtag, hashtag we're a team, they will only have the second worst NHL hashtag of all time, which is the only thing they'll be second worst <laughs> in this year. So strive for Hands something, off. Pierre. Uh, speaking of them being a team, they'll be a team with one less moderately successful NHL <laughs> player. Uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who many of you might remember from his part, his significant role in their uh, playoff run two years ago, tore his Achilles tendon, Ooh. which any I, there's no grosser sounding injury to me than tore Achilles tendon. Um just during, uh, like, weightlifting, I think. I think he was just in the gym. He wasn't, like, on the ice. Mark Berwick, he didn't take out his aggressions from having to <laughs> film. He did do that to somebody else in the Kraft Hockeyville game. Oh, really? I think it was, like, Boone Jenner or somebody. I forget who they were playing, but it was, like, some poor unsuspecting nobody. Uh, but <laughs> it was not... Uh, to John Gabriel Pajot. He just decided that the easiest ticket off the Ottawa Senators' <laughs> shame island was through tearing his own Achilles tendon. Uh, they say optimistically he's out four to six months. There's no chance he plays this season. Mm. What, they're going to rush bother. him back for that playoff run in March? I don't think so. Has anyone checked like the area that this happened in for like a box cutter? <laughs> like, he didn't just try and cut his own tendon like, Jesus, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the I'm sure proper proper forensic work was done by all mm. in attendance. I'm sure probably Mark Stone was there helping him. He was his <laughs> spotter, yeah. and he was like, "We can get you. I, it's too late for me, but we can get you out of here, Sean." And that's how it went down. Oh, I want to feel bad for them. But the whole like stru- like the everyone in charge in that team is so bad at their job. Yeah. Like it's in it's incompetence that's brought them to this point. So like I can't feel bad for them. Like I feel bad for like Coyotes fans. Cause they're not even that terrible. I think they'll have a better year this year, but like they've been so bad for so long. I'm like, okay, like let's Let's cut it out for the Coyotes. But the the Senators are terrible entirely by their own creation. Mm-hmm. They could just still have Kyle Turris and still have Eric Carlson. And they could have just extended Eric Carlson, but they haven't. And so they're going to suck, and that's really on them. It's going to be a train wreck all year, and we're <laughs> going to be here detailing every second of it in our Senator's Sadness Summit, or some other S-word. <laughs> uh, let's take a look at some other league news. Uh, Sam Reinhart, imagine this, someone signed a two-year contract with the Buffalo Sabres, and it's not the worst place to sign anymore, which is not a shot at Buffalo. They were just kind of the Senators before the Senators were the Senators, but now they're a very good team. Um, Allegedly. uh, Allegedly. I guess they still have to prove it on the ice, (laughs) like at all. But hey, let's jump the shark. 
we might as well. Um, I reached out to our friend Anthony Chandra of, you know, all the stuff that he's from, <laughs> uh, the hockey writers and other things. And he said, I do like the signing quite a bit. Reinhardt has always been good, but he's only been great for brief stretches of time. Locking him down long term would have been a risk with Darlene Middlestat. Thompson, Skinner, and Nylander. It was nice of him to include Thompson there. Mm-hmm. Not on the same tier as Brady. <laughs> but I think they're really excited about Thompson, so good for them. Yeah. Uh, all needing new contracts within the next two to three years. Worst case, Rhino lights it up and we can't afford him, so we have to trade his RFA rights for a big haul in 2021. Best case, he becomes a solid first-line right wing capable of 60 to 65 points, and we retain him at a reasonable cost. There's very limited downside. Uh, I think he's right. I mean, I think this is like the perfect kind of old-school bridge deal that you really don't see that much anymore. No, and I think it's a guy who's still young enough that yeah. he hasn't shown maybe everything, especially with a good team. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been there with some, with some bad teams. I think with this team kind of on the up and up, you might see more from Reinhardt, and then this might turn into, I mean, it's already kind of a bargain. Mm-hmm. It might turn even to a bigger one. Yeah, and he's still, like like Anthony pointed out, he's still an RFA after this deal is over, so they have control of him. There's no risk of them just losing him. Mm-hmm. They might have to trade him in kind of a, you know, kind of the way uh, William Nylander is going to be traded in the next <laughs> few months. No, uh, they might have to trade him in, in the worst-case scenario, but like he said, if he becomes a superstar and they have to trade him, then... They get a great return for exactly. Him, so. You kind of turn into a good team where all of a sudden you have to. I don't want to say, but it's like pawn off. Mm-hmm. You know, good players. All of a sudden, you're on the up and up because you're playing well. You have good players, and you're getting picks. That's. I mean, that's how you start rebuilding a team into more of a cup contender. Yeah, that kind of Tyler Sagan move that the Bra- uh, Bra- Bruins, <laughs> a lot of PR teams, did, uh, but not as stupid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I was just gonna say, well, that is not the same. Um, correct, correct. But yeah, I mean that kind of idea of like, oh, we had this young star that we can't keep around here. Let's trade him for massive return, and hopefully not Louis Erickson. <laughs> um, other players to sign deals: Darnell Nurse signed for two years and three point two million dollars, which is a weirder bridge deal to me because I just feel like he's established as. Uh, along, you know, along with maybe Oscar Kleffbaum, one of their two best defensemen mm-hmm. for the long term. I don't know that he's going to get much better, but I think he's proven himself to be like good enough to get like a, a four or five year deal at least. I would mm-hmm. think. Um, and then Josh Morrissey, I guess, is um, like five thousand dollars or worth five thousand dollars less or fifty thousand dollars less i guess because he signed a 3.15 million dollar per year (laughs) contract for two years so he's a hundred thousand dollars less valuable than darnell nurse over the course of two years i think i'm bad at math uh but he's fine he mostly i just think of the lead singer of the smiths when i think of josh morrissey Mm -hmm. and that takes me to a very dark place (laughs) after that i think of the velvet or the <laughs> the Ottawa Senators. Am I going to do this all year? What a weird thing to do. Man, you've really been looking into the Belleville Senators all the <laughs> I've been studying them. I'm thinking about buying them outright. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they can be had for a song, right? They're now, probably so. worth half a McDonald's. Uh, you can't. You can move a McDonald's. You wouldn't want to, but you can, <laughs> and you will. What a weird threat. Uh, what a. Oh, wow. I mean, Eugene Melnick's actually a crazy person. 
Mm-hmm. Like people who own NFL teams are crazy, but they're crazy because they've got like wacky hairdos or whatever. He like, does have a wacky. Hairdo. He also has a wacky hairdo, but he's crazy in that like Scooby Doo villain <laughs> sort of way. Like he could have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for those meddling reporters that keep <laughs> calling him on his crap. What was? I want to know what he made his money in. Because I'm sure he's a smart Being business guy. Eugene Melnick. I'll try to look that up as you talk about Max Domi being a bad person. <laughs> so, yeah. So, last night, I believe so, Wednesday night, September the 19th, uh, while the Blues were playing the... A night that will live. Oh, yeah. They gave me a sec. While the Blues were playing the Wild... Um, I believe it was the... Which is not really pertinent to the no, story. No, I'm just... It was during that portion. He's just portion. coloring it with detail. Yeah, I'm bad at telling stories. Anyways, it was the Florida Panthers versus the Montreal Canadiens, because <laughs> I wanted to say Arizona Coyotes. And Max Domi and Aaron Ekblad got in a little spat, but really it was Max Domi grabbing on Aaron Ekblad's jersey. Aaron Eckblad did not look like he gave a crap about Max Domi. Looked like he was like he look, was looking button. for a call. Yeah, he was, to get he was looking referee. at the ref. He was like, "Could you he get this guy off to me?" The referee, yeah, basically, literally, like, "Could you get this little shrimpy nobody off? Yeah, of, like literally off of my person." So Domi, with his one hand grabbing Eckblad's collar, shook him a little, and then decided to flat out just drop. I believe he drops his glove mm-hmm. and Shakes just punches him square in the face, right in the nose, right yeah. on the bridge of the nose, and drops Eckblad. Sucker punches. Ekblad was bleeding a fair amount when he got up. I'm sure he probably had a broken nose. Mm-hmm. He could have very easily. Yeah, so the NHL decided to suspend Max Domi for that uh, transgression for the rest of the preseason. And, yeah, and the punishment really sounds like more of like a promotion. We're like, hey, you don't have to play any of the preseason. <laughs> Isn't that pretty dope? It, yeah. Really you know does. how to play hockey. They're not this this team of all teams is not gonna limit your playing time because you missed the preseason. Yeah. So what do you think of what do you think of the punch? What do you think of the punishment? <sighs> the punch like I'd heard about it a lot before I saw it. And it's really like the video leading up to it. I, I watched the official like, you know, NHL punishment video thing mm-hmm. that's not narr- narrated by Brendan Shanahan anymore, so it's less fun. But um, <laughs> yeah, like there's a whole big lead up to it, and I'm like, oh, this. I just think I think the little like kind of jabs he's taking or what he got suspended for, and then I finally see the punch, and I'm like, oh my god! Like it's not like even if you watch it, you're not like. This is the worst back, thing no. I've ever seen. It's not some of the, it's not like Nazem Kadri's, you know, knee Need of the skull whatever. of yeah. Wingles. Yeah. But it's just like the 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 shittiest little thing that you could ever see someone do. In like, like a preseason game. And also like that's the only way that Max Domi survives a fight with Aaron Ekblad. And I don't think Aaron Ekblad's some sort of giant brawler, mm. but it would be like Sasquatch fighting like a normal person. He's a head taller, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, a, he's a massive person, and Domi's not very large at all. So it was just a completely uncalled for cheap shot, and to do it in the preseason of all times against, like, a, I mean, I guess I was going to no, know, they're not. A They're in the same rival? division, Are they but division? yeah, Florida and Montreal. I guess I always think Montreal's farther west, but like, is there like a hot rivalry there? I don't 
think so. And even if no. there is, like, and Max it's Domi's, preseason. And Max, Max Domi's, Domi's brand yeah. new there. So. He's an established NHL player. He's not like a fringe guy that's really trying to make his name. It's like, we know who you are. You haven't played in Montreal, but we're not, we didn't trade for you for this. So what's the point? Yeah. I just, and I, then the NHL. Immediately, yeah. immediately, like, Almost like he was trying to make Mark Bergevin somehow look worse. That's like the first thing he does in a Canadian's uniform. Don't piss off Bergevin. He's got guns he's, now. He he's could got, rip. He could literally rip Max Domi limb from limb in a heartbeat, and then say he wasn't a center. We have to trade him because that's how Mark Bergevin. That's pretty sounds. close, I'm sure. But the NHL decided to suspend him for just preseason games only because they were going to make a statement they made their statement they said this is not tolerated you will miss our nothing (laughs) games sir you will miss all of them so like i mean i get like by the opposite logic of the playoffs a preseason suspension should be twice as severe i guess (laughs) but like what? Like, do they even get play, paid for the preseason? Like, is he losing pay because of this? If you know, they do, it has to be at, like, a reduced rate, right? If I had to guess, I don't think they do, because they don't get paid during the playoffs. They yeah. get paid for the season. You're right. So they're getting paid whatever. Per, I mean, that's not usually divided per yeah, game yeah. unless you actually miss time, but they're getting mm. paid per game regular season. So he's not losing Literally anything. He's basically was just forced to do the thing that uh, I've got to tell a story shortly. (laughs) He was basically just forced to do the thing that like old football players make up excuses to get to do. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm going to skip training camp because there's two too many dollars on my contract. I need, I'm making $7,482,000 and I need to be making 784000 flat or whatever. Mm. Like, that was a stupid long analogy, but I just dug into it. Like, people make up excuses to skip training camp and they're like, this is your punishment, Max Domi. <laughs> Eat it, Max Domi. You're a bad, bad boy, Max Domi. <laughs> and I just, like, the last three suspensions like we talked about both the Watson Watson right yeah I don't want to call the wrong predator a predator but we <laughs> talked about the Austin Watson suspension and how god awful that was in light of the um the one oh the Nick Schmidt Nick, or Nate Nick, Schmidt sorry Nick, yes Nate Schmidt we I got would, there I was gonna be like you mean Nick Schmaltz but not him <laughs> But like, okay, so the Nate Schmidt, like, we think it's kind of stupid. We talked about it, but that's like a preset thing. So that's yeah, fine. That like, he tested positive. It is twenty games. It's in the CBA. We can talk about there being problems with that, but like, that's just the rule. One of the few times they actually have a rule written, right? Yeah. Totally. With with domestic violence, I don't like. There should in all sports, it should just be zero policy, zero tolerance. At least mm. miss an entire season. Like I. I was like, that should be the slap on the wrist is the entire yeah, season. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't, it's, it's really weird to me, this, like, standard, and all sports do it, where they're kind of like, well, how 
how bad did sh- did he beat a woman or like it's not, it's they don't say it but it's like what did she do to provoke it and it's like nothing she didn't do anything because you can't like uh i i could go on a long tangent about that and i'm not like the feminist to beat all feminists, but good God, people, like the <laughs> basic human decency, just stop. But yeah, 20- I never understood that with fans because they'll kind of they won't defend it, but they'll be like, Well, you know, you just don't know, or we don't know what position they're in. I'm like, I would lose if Alex Petrangelo like was in a domestic dispute, I would just lose all respect for him. I would well, want him off my team. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's just gone, he's just gone. To like, me. I have this weird thing, like, I won't, it's so stupid because fantasy football is stupid, but like. People who are known domestic abusers, I will not draft in fantasy football. Like, I don't want to be associated. I don't want to think about those people, mm. honestly. Because I think, like, if I'm excited that Ezekiel Elliott ran for a big touchdown, then I have to be excited that Ezekiel Elliott exists in any way. And I don't really want to be ever. And it's not like I'm, you know, people deserve second chances in a broader sense. But there never needed to be a first chance to do that. Like, that's mm-hmm. so basic. To me, but like th- this, I mean, it's totally different. Like compared to uh, domestic violence assault, it's nothing. You know, I mean, it's an on ice transgression, and it's really crappy. But yeah. it's nothing comparatively. Just fit within your sport. But like, yeah, but like the fact that they're gonna not suspend him any regular season games, they're literally giving him a vacation, basically. Mm-hmm. And like, I. That just if I was doing a CBA, and God forbid we add more hurdles to that thing, but like if I was the players, I just want some rules. And I know there can't be like a hard and fat. You don't want to be like every spearing penalty is five games because then there's going to be a wrong call and they're going to have, you know, I mean, there has to be some wiggle room. But the fact that it's just all across the board for every different thing and every call on the ice. There's no, like, you never have any idea watching one of these things if it's like, could be a one game suspension, could be an eight game. We don't know. I don't know. He could be asked to do community service for 500 hours and be docked. <laughs> A game and a half of pay, you know? He could be forced to sit out the first period and then start the second period wearing bright pink skates. Like, there's no consistency at all. And it's this league almost demands not to be taken seriously with that and with, like, owners like Eugene Melnick and so... So many things, and they're going to, I don't know, I I texted you earlier, I feel like this is just going to be a rag on the NHL podcast, <laughs> because I love this sport so much, and I hate this league so much. Yeah. We <laughs> but, we hate because we love. Yeah, like, it's, it's one of those things where, like, you know, they say the opposite of love is indifference. Like, I'm not indifferent. The NHL could be so much better, so we're just mm-hmm. trying to help it get there with our tiny, tiny voice in Ipswich in <laughs> Suffolk in England. I saw a few, um, I don't know, if it's. I guess it's not a defense, I saw a few excuses for Domi or really just like what Ekblad should have done in this scenario was had his hands up around his I heard around his face somewhere to defend himself you shouldn't just expect someone not to punch him in the face was more or less what I saw some people on Twitter saying they're like look it's hockey it gets violent you should just be expecting something that anything could happen and maybe they shouldn't say you're expecting it but anything could happen he could sucker punch you Mm mm-hmm but to me, that's like when you're coming to a four-way stop sign, 
like the guy to your right could just fly through the stop sign. Yeah. He oh. shouldn't. <laughs> and you shouldn't be you're not liable for when you're in the crossway because you stop oh, first and they oh. T-bone Hold you. Hold on a second. You you made this analogy so I have to tell this story. I'm very sorry. You're fine. As correspondent Jordan and I, I hope he won't mind me sharing. He's this. alive. He was alive, but he was, he was. once in. Ex- <laughs> did I say he was, was alive? Oh no, wasn't is. But he was once in an accident very similar to the one you were describing, and he, you know he went through a stop sign at his assigned turn. Someone that hadn't even gotten to the stop sign yet just blew through it and t-boned him, and he was fine. His sister was in the car; she was fine. But he was talking to his insurance agent. Oh, no. And he told the whole story, and at some point he said something along the lines of, I assume the car to my left was going to stop, and he's telling this whole story. And he gets to the end of it, and the insurance company literally says to him, we're going to cover 95% of the damages, but we're going to have to make you cover 5% because you said you assumed that person was going to stop, and you can't assume anything while driving a car. Which... (laughs) Is how we drive cars. It's how we do anything as human mm-hmm. beings. It's how you play professional hockey is that Aaron Eckblad got to assume that he wasn't going to get sucker punched. And I'm sorry, just the way you described that mm. made me had to tell that story. Because like anytime I hear the word assumption, it's like, no, like all of life works on you assuming that the people you're working with aren't going to be crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I assume you're not going to pull a gun on me and but shoot I could. me during this fight. Yeah. You totally could. Like, there could be one. But I'm not, nobody's going to be like, he really should have been wearing a bulletproof vest. Exactly. Because he was sitting in a room with that guy and he didn't know, you know. Well, I was driving around. I had that I had that as a metaphor, too, because it's like, look, you. I get it. The defensive driving. You need to be aware of what's going on. Uh, you're on the hockey, you're on, you know, an ice rink. You're playing hockey, it gets physical. Max Domi's got a hold of your collar. You need to know that he's, like, hot and heavy and ready to go. <laughs> but like also... Caesar's <laughs> Yeah. But also, like, you... He, Aaron Eckblad has not even moved his, like, forearms above his elbow. The guy's not fighting. Yeah. And then Max Domi just sucker punched him, and then someone was like, well, you know, you got to be ready for that. And they're like, yeah, okay, like Mr. Miyagi. Like, yeah, wax on, wax off. Right when he goes for my face, I'll grab him like a fly. I just, like, I hate that line of thinking so much. They're, like, they're, they're plausible sides of it. Because, like, you know, if you're walking through a bad neighborhood at 2 in the morning and you get mugged, it's not victim-blaming to be like, hey, maybe don't walk through that neighborhood at 2 in the morning. Mm. But, like... In that sort of scenario, it's just like what you like to to live in that world. You'd have to just sit in your room covered in bubble wrap all the time, and then you'd ha- even then you'd be assuming there wasn't yeah. carbon monoxide in the air. So like, don't assume anything yeah, ever. I just, uh, Sorry, that was no, just no, no, a no. bug the crap totally, out of me. Totally, totally right to go on off on that tangent. Let's go off on a few more before we <laughs> proceed to actual hockey news. So the first thing, the story I said I'd have to tell you mm. is that I got a text from my brother. Texts pop up on my screen and I can't help it. I try not to read them, but there they are. And the text simply <laughs> read Spider-Man dot 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 PS4 question mark. My brother 
who I I love dearly, is a little bit older than me. He's a huge comic book nerd. I and I say that with affection because we all have things we're really into, and he's really into that. I can't I think of a am thing. Not well, hockey. We're I know doing that, was, hockey. that, that oh, was the joke. Oh, 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 I'm continue. Serious. I'm very stupid. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, oh god. Anyway, but like, so I'm not as in to comic books, but like I enjoy a video game superhero game. I liked all the Batman games, and I've been really hyped for this new game. So I got it, and I loved it. It's awesome. But I've been texting him literally all week about like, because anytime I'm playing one of these games, I'm like, hey, they briefly mentioned such and such character. Tell me more about their comic book backstory. Like, is this something that would really happen in the comic books? Because even though I never read them, I'm curious like where yeah. their inspiration come from. So the fact that he's suddenly like, oh, this is a game for PS4, like, <laughs> which he owns. And I've been like hinting at him that like, yeah, when I'm done, you're definitely playing this game. It's just, it's, you no one out there obviously knows my brother, but it's very him to be like, "Oh, this thing you've been talking about for a week is it a thing?" And so it made me laugh. It wasn't on the Sega Genesis. <laughs> You're not talking about an old Commodore game. <laughs> I won't have to go find a Dreamcast on eBay <laughs> to play this. Um, the other thing I wanted to read to you. So we uh, like seven hours ago, you asked me how Eugene Melnick made his fortune mm-hmm. if you had to guess an industry a weird not a weird but like oh, okay. a, just a kind of uh it's a word that you hear a lot associated with a lot of money that could be any number of things he was an entrepreneur no 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 no, no. like it's that. an industry it's an industry it's okay. not technology but it's just like is it that broad yes it's it's that level of, like, anyone could make their fortune in that, and you'd be like, that could be a very legitimate business, or you could be pushing heroin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that one, the last bit threw me. I was going to say real estate. He owned a company called BioVale Corporation, which was then acquired by Valiant Pharmaceuticals. Uh, so he made his fortune in pharmaceuticals, which makes so much sense to me. I don't know why. What was the first company called? BioVale Corporation, which is definitely, definitely a shelter corporation for a bond. <laughs> I was going to say. A thousand percent. That is most certainly like the shell corporation <laughs> of like... Um, what is it? The Umbrella Corporation yeah, and Resident Spider-Man Evil. Enemy yeah. owns that company. It You're is like, Oscorp. Oh. Uh, let's just read this whole entrance intro to his Wikipedia page, which for the most part I'm just assuming is true. <laughs> Eugene Melnick, born May 27th, 1959. This is the sad thing. A lot younger than you'd think. He's only one year older than my dad, yeah, but yeah. he looks so much Worse. older. Good lord. Money <laughs> did not help him. He is a Canadian businessman. No, none of this doesn't fit exactly what you'd think. Who has resided in Barbados since February 1991. What? He is the current and sole owner, wait for it, governor and chairman of the Ottawa Senators professional ice hockey franchise of the National Hockey League. That's probably a problem. Do you think he, like, appointed himself governor? Like, I have to be more things. Because <laughs> I bet he did. Probably. For sure. I don't think Tom Stoneman's the governor 
of the Blues. What does that even mean? I don't know. He is the founder, former chairman, and CEO of BioVail Corporation, which was acquired by Valiant Pharmaceuticals. Canadian Business Magazine ranked Melnick 79th with a net worth of $1.21 billion on its 2017 list of Canada's 100 wealthiest people. He is also one of the richest residents of Barbados. So there you go. <laughs> Barbados. He's known Great. for founder BioVale Corporation, owner Ottawa Senators, thoroughbred horse reader, breeder, philanthropist, entrepreneur, Ottawa Senators Foundation, and founder of The Organ Project. I'm just going to let you all look up what that is because we're out of time. Uh, he harvests organs. Um, <laughs> or himself. He needs them to live. <laughs> oh, boy. What What is happening? It's just the preseason and hockey's already falling, falling apart. Mm. Let's talk about our own very own blues for a little bit. <laughs> Testing happens at the beginning of every blues preseason, as I'm sure it does on every other team. Uh, oh, I hope they studied. Sadly, none of the tests were like, here's how much they could bench press. They were all like weird, weird tests. But Joel Edmondson has the best endurance. He did the best on the assault bike test uh, with a 5.44 second. I don't know what that means. It must have been minutes. It couldn't have been seconds. Uh, The assault bike test is where you ride one mile as fast as possible. You take a three-minute break. You ride another mile. You take another three-minute break. And then you ride another mile as fast as possible. And it's supposed to test your endurance, which I guess is a lot like being in hockey. Mm -hmm. And Joel Edmondson did it in five minutes and 40 seconds seconds. Uh, Blues strength and conditioning coach Eric Rennigan said, this was the fastest time I've seen in my nine years in the NHL. So good for you, Joel. Super quick aside. Did you hear about that guy that ran a marathon with an average mile time under five minutes? I think I did in passing. 26.8 miles. I bet Justin miles. Horniker knows his name. Justin. Tell us was about this man. You, Justin? <laughs> was that you, Justin? It could have been. I don't think it was. <laughs> Were but you I running don't know. around Kansas City in in your five point two second mile? I know it's minutes. I'm gonna keep saying <laughs> seconds. He doesn't know time. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. You Average. Know, the first person that ran a marathon died. <laughs> <laughs> this guy too. I'm pretty this, sure. This no, guy also died. No, 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 no. There was more. Uh, <laughs> I can't can't make the noise anymore. I can't laugh anymore. Okay. Uh, Uh, This guy you were saying also (laughs) died? uh, No. His average mile time? Uh Uh-huh. Or his mile, I should say, as average. Probably got a lot worse after he died. (laughs) No, his uh, mile time actually got faster as he went. How's that possible? That's what I heard. Justin's going to have to come on and explain this to us. So we don't laugh about and it. And give his eulogy. Anyways, I'm sorry. Dead. You talked about fast and endurance and popped <laughs> in my head. guy, too. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, speaking of 
things. I don't know what a power wattage output test is, but Colton Pareko's really good at it. Ooh, I can visualize You can't that. just do a bench press. You've got to do a power wattage output. It sounds so much cooler. Alex Petrangelo, Vladimir Tarasenko, and Chris Thorburn excelled at the force test. What a for, waste. For Tarasenko and Petrangelo, it had a lot to do with skating real fast. For Thorburn, he was asked to actually use the force. <laughs> and he made a pencil fall off a table. They found out later that the table was slanted. <laughs> but anyway. I wonder how many midi chlorines he has. <laughs> <laughs> Thorburn was the most improved player since last year's testing. Oh, at this test? Which I guess is, I think at all the testing, which... Great. I'm glad you've been working on your conditioning, Chris. None of us care. <laughs> but he said, I had a great summer of sta- training. I stayed in town here and trained at our facility with our training staff. Everything's rosy in the Thorburn life. That sounds so mean, but I just don't know that those players trained. I, mean, I, kn- <laughs> I, I knew I we know. trained, but like, I didn't like, know we trained, trained hard. Yeah, like... I got to be physically fit for my six minutes of ice time seven times a month. Like I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chris. Chris. We, we Don't really punch respect us. you and love you as a blue. So please get all the minutes and all the goals. Uh, he says, I can't remember a camp when everyone showed up in this good of condition. Ooh, burn jets. That's a burn <laughs> on the Winnipeg Jets. Suck it, Atlanta Thrashers. Ooh. Ooh, a lot of shade thrown at the Atlanta Thrashers. One of the best Colin Kaepernick Nike memes I saw was the Thrashers logo, and it just said, believe in something, even if it doesn't exist. <laughs> Uh, Atlanta doesn't care. No, they sure don't. Uh, He said, our exit meeting last year wasn't what we wanted with missing the playoffs. I should hope not. Army said this was going to be a tough camp this year, and I think guys took that to heart. And they did by promptly losing 5-2 to two in the first game of the preseason. Do you have anything to say about preseason games, Ian? <laughs> I listened to a little bit of the first... I listened to a little bit of both games. I think it was just... The first half of this game, uh, Kairu scored a goal. I think it was set up by Ryan O'Reilly. That's that's a great pairing. I hope to see that in the future. I hope Blues fans are going to hear a lot of that line called. Pat Maroon, I think that, I don't know if that's a power play goal. Pat Maroon, I think, scored a power play goal. Got a lot of new guys, new faces producing. They ended up losing 5-2, to 5-3, to three, something like that. Um, Dallas was icing, I believe, more of their regulars. Teams tend to do that at home and during the preseason. So we were against almost a full, you know, Dallas squad. And we played most of the game, as far as I could tell, really well. I think towards the end we let up a little and Dallas just tried to push for the win. And, I mean, it's not a big deal in preseason. But I think there's a lot to take away from that game. I think Kyrou was flying. Uh, power play goals. I, oh, yeah. I tweeted it out. Any, if we just do power play goals all the time but keep losing in the preseason, I don't care. Like, I just want to see a productive power play. And it's been productive. I think we scored at least one power play goal in the second game, too. I think the Blues are showing a lot of good things, it even if the games aren't amazing. It was also won almost single-handedly by Bozak Horst. Oh, yeah. Second game was, let's see, that was... Minnesota? Yeah, against Minnesota in Des Moines, Iowa, which is where As all games yeah. are, normally. I forget that they're AHL teams there, because mm-hmm. I was like, that should be an even split. And I was like, eh, there's Probably more Minnesota If that hadn't fans. snuck up on me, I was thinking about us car trip. That would have been cool. There. We should do the next one, especially if it's like KC. Mm. That'd be really cool. 
Um, Sammy Blaze scored the first goal. That was a power play goal tipping, I believe. And then the Wild sort of started to come on. I think they got two quick ones past Huso, who looked a little shaky to start with. But then he really solidified his game in the second period when it was like all wild. I think the Blues didn't get a shot on goal until maybe like the 10-minute mark. Mm. And it sounded like Huso had some really amazing saves. And then, so good at being a goal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's always promising to hear. And then it's also the fact that they've left, left him in for the whole game. Uh-huh. A lot of the times they'll end up splitting time between two of these goaltenders, and he was in there for all three periods. Uh-huh. And then Bozak scored two quick ones at the end. Nice. So there you go. That's all I really like, I feel like Tyler Bozak is being overlooked. In terms of our offseason acquisition, oh, yeah. he's not going to be like a 65-point player or anything all of a sudden. But just like, and look, I'm not a, I'm not a Bergwind hater. I'm not a Savoka hater. But the transformation on our third line from those two to like Tyler Bozak and David Perron or Pat Maroon or whoever, and, you know, Fabry, whoever ends up along his side, maybe even Steen, mm-hmm. I could see being on the third line and then being like a top penalty killer. Like that's gonna be a world of difference. I think we'll we'll notice more difference with our lower lines on the ice mm. than we really will at the top. Because as much as I love O'Reilly, like he doesn't totally revolutionize our top yeah. lines. He keeps it. He keeps <clears throat> those lines solidified. Yeah. I next episode we're gonna really dive deep into this Blues team. I'd really like us to go player by player and just kind of give like a thought on what I think their season will be like. But I think a hot take, I think Bozak is going to have more points than uh, a certain other acquisition we had this year. And that's, uh, we'll leave it at that. We color me impressed or something. Um, Mm -hmm. So, other news today, (laughs) Robbie Fabry was off the ice with back stiffness oh. and a herniated knee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people are falling out of their chairs. <laughs> I don't mean to have fun with people, but I'm just I just a, a sincere message to all Blues fans everywhere, ourselves included. We can't panic every time Robbie Fabry isn't where he's supposed to be this season or we will all have died of cardiac arrest. Long before the season starts. <laughs> like, I don't, I wouldn't say you and I are two of the more pessimistic people about Robbie mm-hmm. Fabry that I can tell in all of Blues fandom. And it's really nothing personal. It has nothing to do with him. But, like, even if the knee is a thousand percent, this he's missed 18 months of hockey. And obviously we'll talk about this more next time. I don't want to step on it. But yeah. like, there's going to be soreness. There's probably scar tissue in there. There's going to be fatigue regardless, certainly early in the season. And then probably later in the season, too, because he won't have played a full season for over two years. So just be patient with the guy. Yeah. And you can't, like, for your own sake and ours as well we cannot freak out every time he misses a practice or sits out a game unexpectedly or any i know this happened last year and i know it turned out and you know i know it turned from oh he's just sitting out there's a little soreness into oh his knee exploded again very quickly but like let's not go there let's just 
be patient. Mm-hmm. He will be ready when he's ready. And as uh, we talked with Sarah a little bit through the Blues ca- account for through the podcast account, Sarah's from bluesrant.com and and you know pine, kind of pointed out like the difference between this season and last season is that last season Fabry's injury kind of like KO'd our forward group. And this season we have the depth to sustain that injury. Mm-hmm. And we have prospects underneath it that can sustain that injury even further. So, like, let's just take a breath. Frankie says relax. Be cool, everybody. This is why I don't think he's going to play a full season. Like 60 <gasps> games out of him? Yeah. Just, sit, like, not because he misses two weeks due to injury. No, but that's just what like I mean, he, just to sit him. Yeah, he, he will need breaks, and that's fine. And we've got to be okay with that. Mm. We've got it. Like if he put if he's healthy at the end of this year, that's a win. And played a fair amount of hockey. That's a huge win. And then we can go into future years, kind of looking at him as like back to normal. Like this is sort of a rehab season for him, and we'll talk more about it next week. Uh, we are jumping into our Central Division preview. Um, Oh, no, let's talk about one more thing from training camp. Ah. Jordan Cairo has looked very good. He's been fun. Now let's move on. <laughs> no, uh, I think there is a lot. I mean, I think he has looked very good. He scored mm-hmm. the goal in the first preseason game. Um, I, I talked about it last week when we talked about Traverse City. I mean, the guy's game is electric. Every time I've watched him play, which, you know, dating back to the rookie camp, well, not the rookie camp, but, you know, the yeah. our own prospect camp, uh, back after the draft. I mean, he just, you can't watch the game and not notice him. He's so fast. His skills are so unique. He just is head and shoulders above the competition and that kind of level of play, especially with just our own prospects and even with some of the teams uh, in Traverse City. So I don't think it's a surprise. I think it's unique because I don't think you know, even our best, best players, like even Tarasenko, he's a very good skater, but I don't think he has the breakneck speed mm-hmm. that um, Kairu has. And I, I think that's a little bit of like a wow factor for Blues fans. I think he's looked great. How do you feel right now? Do you think he makes the team? Do you still think he doesn't make the team? Oh, do you man. feel like he has a higher chance than you felt five days ago, 10 days ago, whatever? I would say, personally, I'll give you a little time to think. Considering his performance at Traverse City, too, I it's still a tough roster to crack. It's not all him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's also finding a place for him to play. I think his chances have proved, because he seems like a man that's really determined to prove what he's worth this year. I still think he's got a really uphill battle to climb if he's going to make the roster. Yeah, I think he does, but I'm I, I'm more in his the camp of him making it now, which I'm sure a lot of people are with his performance. Mm-hmm. I, I went to like the open house practice this past Saturday, and that was the first time I got to see him live. Yeah, how I mean, was it, that? By the way, that was a lot of fun. Um, they scrimmaged for I think two periods, it was like two twenty minute periods. I thought it was just the one. I even tweeted out, I'm like, oh, game's over, one nothing, and then they came back out, and I was like, oh. Okay, more of this. <laughs> um, but Ky- I think Kyra was on a line with Yaskin and Barbashev. I mean, the other two looked really good, but he was driving the play, uh-huh. and he looked outstanding. I thought f- he never looks like he's really like 
pushing himself, but mm-hmm. he's just so much faster than everybody. Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm it's silky him, smooth skating. Yeah, seeing him in Traverse City, I think I mentioned this last week, but, you know, being that close to the action, which you really never are in, unless you're much richer than I am <laughs> at Scott Tra- or at Enterprise Center. Um, yeah, I mean, the skating looks effortless. He's blazing past guys, and it looks like he's coasting. Mm-hmm. And they're like full back skating to try and, you know, even pretend to keep up with him. And like, yeah, that's what's really, it's not just that he's fast. It's like he looks like a speed skater, you know, mm-hmm. almost. I think he could make this team because I think there's guys we could end up, you know, sitting where you've got like a Sashnikov or a Yaskin who can sit out a couple yeah. games. I don't know how he cracks, oh man, he could crack, crack the top six. But that's really pushing people down the lineup that probably don't need to be down there. But he also doesn't really need to be down there either. I'm super interested in what kind of fourth line we run. Yeah. If we go with a traditional, like, oh, we got to put out Thorburn and Yaskin and maybe center by Barbashev, which already alone is kind of a different looking fourth line than you would normally have. But the more I hear talk from fans and maybe just a few comments from, you know, Rutherford and Korak about, well, maybe they'll run like a Thomas, Kairou, Sashnikov fourth line, and they're not your traditional fourth line, and they'll get, you know, maybe 10 minutes, which is a lot for them, just to see, you know, to kind of get even minutes around guys and see what they have. I mean, that'd be amazing, and I kind of feel like maybe the Blues will lean that way because that's sort of the only way you fit all these guys in. Yeah. Um Mike Yo said something about he's playing as a guy who has nothing to lose. I think Jeremy Rutherford had an enlightening comment in his uh, um, Q&A today on The Athletic. He said, here's the way I look at it. Kyrou looks like he's going to be an amazing player. It could be this year. It could be next year. We don't know. But I've learned over my 14 years covering the Blues not to put too much stock in a 20-year-old in training camp. Many Blues veterans, like guys with statues outside of the arena, have told me that careers aren't made in the preseason. If the Blues send Kyrou to San Antonio, it would simply mean that they don't have a spot in the top nine for him and they don't want him playing eight minutes a night here mm-hmm. or sitting in the press box. His career is going to be better long term if he's playing 17 minutes a night in a key role, and if that's San An- if that's in San Antonio at the start of the year, then so be it. And I think I mostly agree with him. I mean, 12 minutes a night in St. Louis is probably better than 17 minutes a night in San Antonio. But like, I don't want either him or Thomas, and that's my worry about putting either of them on the fourth line. Is I don't want them playing eight line- minutes a night mm-hmm. against the other team's grinders or like as a primarily like you know, back-checking kind of unit. Like, these guys, if they're going to play in this league, let them actually play in this league Mm -hmm. and don't relegate them, you know. these guys. For one thing, these guys kind of deserve a shot at the Calder Trophy, and I'm not saying they're going to win it, but, like, if you make them play half the season on the fourth line, they're certainly not going to win it, you know. So, like, just... I don't want him playing eight minutes a night on the fourth line, yeah. whatever the case And for be. as much as I talked about them maybe going for a different look fourth line, the other team might not have that. And now, you, like you said, they might be playing against some guy that's just a goon. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as goons go, this this sort of part of the season, this part of you know hockey's history, I don't know. It would be a little scary. I don't want them going up against like some 28-year-old dude who just fights or whatever, and you're like, okay, I know you're more skilled than them, but this guy's just going to possibly headhunt some, like, 
20-year-old kid. Yeah, like they could play the Canadians and face Max Duggan. Oh, yeah, Max Duggan. Watch out. Anything could happen on the ice, Jordan. <laughs> Keep your paws up, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, it would, I think it'll be a tough pill for Blues to fans to swallow if Cairo starts in the AHL. Yeah. Because they're going to be like, oh, come on, I just want to see this guy. But you're right, I think it might be the better thing to do if there's no space for him. And also, we're going to get a taste of Jordan Cairo yeah, this year. Yeah, there's going to be injuries. He's, he's going to come up. If Tarasenko's, God forbid, injured, it's way more likely that he gets called into just like a first or second line role mm-hmm. than that they try to patch it with like Maroon and then like move Blay up into the third line or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. like he's got that level of skill. So we're going to get a taste. If it's not the first week of the season, we just have to be patient. They have the AHL flexibility with them where they don't with yeah. Thomas. Yeah, it's weird. They have an AHL team this year. That which they fully is control. Weird. Ugh. Novel. We'll we'll talk a lot more about that next year and kind of do ro- next week and kind of do roster projections then. But yeah, I mean it's it's a great problem to have. And I hate that expression. It's very cliched, but it really is. We got a lot of forwards pushing for top nine spots. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're not the Magnus Pay RVs of the world anymore, folks. Night and day. Think about, I mean, like, seriously, though, think about this time last year. We were trying to decide, like, who would be our third line between, like, Pay RV and Sanford. Sunquist. Oh. Sunquist was, like, a legit option that played for quite like a few a games. For, like, a third line role. Yeah. Not, like, a fourth line. No, for, like, like a, the third line. Oh. Oh. That was not a good time. No, like, some people have been like, man, I don't know why the Blues didn't quite make the playoffs last year. <laughs> I I'm like, do. I know. Yeah, we all know. <laughs> oh, boy. We oh, all boy. know. <laughs> Everyone knows. Okay, so let's now transition to our Central Division preview. As we've alluded to, this will be a Central Division preview. It will not include a preview of the Blues because that will be the focus of our next episode. Um and I think we did that last year. I don't think it's that out of the ordinary. But we will dive a little bit deeper into some of these teams because, uh, A, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick did us the favor of releasing episode one of the 31 Thoughts podcast this week, which was kind of just a direct ripoff of our division mm-hmm. previews. They just did them all at one time. So we are listening, Jeff and Elliot, and you will be speaking to our lawyers. But... Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, we can, we're gonna borrow some of their thoughts just kind of as jumping off points for um, the central, and then we're gonna just dig a little deeper because there's only six teams, you know, without the Blues and with it being a smaller division anyway, and because there are biggest rivals yeah. and opponents. So, um, let's kick it off with alphabetically first and first in no other way, last in our hearts, the <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks. Who finished last season a shocking 33, 39, and 10 with 76 points. Um, I think to say anyone saw that coming would be an outright lie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw a few people say they didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. That, but they were very few. Yeah. I think everybody knew. I think to, for the most part, people knew okay, they got swept by Nashville. Was that. That was yeah. before this year, right? Three they, goals in they four got games. They swept by Nashville. They're not the dominant team in this division anymore. Let's, you know, let's downgrade them somewhat. But I don't think anyone saw the floor falling out from beneath them. Certainly a lot of that had to do with Corey Crawford. 
whatevering, I think getting vertigo or something. I don't yeah. know. Whatever whatever's afflicting him. I mean, his sudden disappearance from the team and the the need to turn to like Anton Forsberg and like the really French sounding guy, Baruby, JF Baruby that they had to turn to a lot of yeah. the year. I and an equipment manager? Yeah. Some random guy last year. Oh yeah, year, that did they was not? during the one game, yeah, yeah. for sure. But um <clears throat> yeah, I mean certainly that played a huge role. Uh you know the stars on this team, but they're a little different than you might think. Uh, Patrick Kane had his usual very good 76-point season. Is it true that he's only had, like, one season above 30 goals or some, something weird like I that? I believe he's only had three 30-plus goal seasons. Okay, for as much as we talk about yeah, him being, wasn't like, one an last elite season. goalie yep. or elite goal scorer. Um, and then Alex Debrinkat. Kind of came out of nowhere, 28 goals, led the team in that department, 52 points. Nick Schmaltz is a very good player for their team. Uh, we could have drafted him, but mm-hmm. they swiped him. They sniped him. They traded up to get him right ahead of us, knowing full well what they were doing. Did we get Tage Thompson might have, after him? That might have been that year. Is that yeah. who it was? Okay. Um, 52 points from Nick Schmaltz, 21 goals, 31 assists. Jonathan Taves with, I think, Safe to admit, a disappointing 52 points, mm. 20 goals, 32 it assists. It gets worse. Brandon yep. Saad. Oh, God. Wolf. I owe you an apology. We talked about the Saad for Panarin trade last year, uh-huh. and I think I tried to color it. I was like, well, you don't know. <laughs> Brendan Saad might recapture that magic in Chicago, and he did not at <laughs> all. 35 points, 18 goals, 17 assists. Really, that deal, that coupled with the Crawford thing, that deal at all was like desperation. Like mm-hmm. we didn't really know it at the time. At the time, it was just kind of kooky. Like, hey, these guys want their old player back. They really overspent to get him. But like, in hindsight, that deal was like, oh god, that, that was, was the end. Yeah, that was one of the nails. Um, they got rid of Lance Boma, which means something in Greek, but I can't think of what. And Anthony Duclair, probably a house or something. And did you know that oikos, the Greek yogurt, oikos means house? So there you go. Little little Greek lesson for you. I um, hate Greek yogurt. <laughs> oh, God, so do I. Do you really? Oh, no, that was a lie. I oh, love Greek yogurt. I Greek yogurt. But I won't eat milk and cereal together. <laughs> I bet you won't. Kylie Jenner or whichever Jenner. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm not fighting on that one. If you'd, if you'd known that you could have trended worldwide for like 20 million viewers to eat cereal with milk would you have done it no you know what she belongs <laughs> there's a principle yeah she belongs to you now she's not one of the dry folk anymore <laughs> oh you texted me that and i almost died uh their big off-season moves were to sign cam Ward for three million dollars. Cam Ward, who will be their goaltender this year. Oh, he plays. I think he plays the same amount of games, if not more, than Corey Crawford. Oh, Corey Crawford. I don't think is playing games. This I've year. I've heard more and more that that's the sentiment. Maybe I'm just not dialed in. He's real. It's like really yeah, bad. I think it might be done for him. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Chris Kunitz, one year, one million dollars. Brandon Manning, two years, $4.5 million. And then, of course, the trade that was mostly the uh, Marion Hosa salary dump, but also uh, sent Vinny Henestrosa out, Marcus Kruger in. I don't know why they dumped that salary if they weren't going to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're, they have future plans. But, man, this team is not in a good place right now. Um, wow, man. 
I know they couldn't have thought of that. They didn't. They couldn't see into the future. But if they're making that dump for salary, sort of into the future. If they knew they were going to be able to make that dump in salary, then you keep Panarin and resign them, right? Yeah. I mean, that's probably not the exact amount of money that they would need. They probably still need more, but whatever. Yeah. Well, that plus Saad's contract. Yeah. There's your Panarin. Oh boy. Yikes. Um, and they know they knew they could dump salary because they're them. That's so what I mean. You're the Blackhawks. You know someone's going to take your crap. Oh, uh, what a weird situation. Do you want to ask some of your questions about this team? Um, I we kind of already alluded to it a little bit, but like, who am I scared of on this team aside from Patrick Kane for multiple reasons? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> I mean, really, Nick Schmaltz had a good year last year. I think they expect more from him. But Schmaltz may- and DeFrancat are contributing. Yeah, pieces. maybe it's just because they're new, but, like, I don't care. Like, I they're mean, dangerous. a good goal scorer, yeah. but he's a... Like, his high end is like a Max Pacioretty. Not that he's the same kind of player, but, like, Max Pacioretty doesn't overhaul your roster mm. overnight. He's a very good player who you need several more pieces to make a good team. And as far as I can tell, you get him in the defensive zone, Mm -hmm. what's he going to do? You know what I mean? I think he's a liability out there as far as, like, defense goes. Well, they have a type, and we'll talk about it, which is very small, shifty wingers. We're going to talk about another one coming down the pike here in a minute. Mm -hmm. But, like, when your whole team is that, you don't have defense. Mm Mm-hmm. In your forward group. You know, there's a couple of Brendan Gallagher's in the world world that can overcome that size and be really good two-way forwards. But for the most part, if you're sacrificing size, you're sacrificing something somewhere, and a lot of times it's on the defensive end. Both Schmaltz and DeBrincat fit that mold, as does the prospect we'll talk about. Yeah, and then just piggybacking off a of defense, their decor is old and a bunch of, like, nobodies at this point. You've got Keith, who should be, I think, should be better this year. He only had two goals last year. Yeah, literally have to be better. Yeah, he just has to. I think just existing on that team, (laughs) he'll be better. Uh, You have Brent Seabrook, who's aging like a fine room temperature Miller (laughs) Lite. You have Connor Murphy, Brandon Manning, you know, guys that I think honestly are probably third pairing guys, but on this team will probably be your second pairing. Eric Gustafson, who fans hate. I know this from just watching Hawks I know this games. from being, yeah. yeah. just being around. I just hear it uh-huh. in the air. <laughs> and then there's Jan Ruta, more like Jan Huta. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> because who the hell is that? You really prepared for this, yes. thing, didn't you? I did. Let, can we talk about this cap-friendly page here just for a minute, or would you like to do that? No, you go ahead. I'd like. Can I ask you a question uh-huh. about their cap-friendly? Please do. I know the year's moved over now because we're in the new season here. Can you see the end of Brent Seabrook's contract? We can now. We finally can. <laughs> How many years are left on that contract? Uh, six. Six. How old is Brent Seabrook? 33. Now ask me how many are left on Duncan Keith's contract. How many? Five. Now ask oh. me how old he is. <laughs> How old is he? 35. He's 35? Uh-huh. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so on 31 Thoughts today, since we're talking about it. This makes more sense now. Did I you think. hear that bit? Because So Elliot was talking about, like, 
after he crapped on these guys a little bit, he was like, the one contract I think they could convince someone to take on that t- team, and I'm like, I don't know, probably Patrick Kane, right? He's really good. And then he's like, Duncan Keith, and I'm like, no! Because <laughs> he was like, the way he talked about it, it wasn't like they could convince, you know... Uh, yeah, some sucker. Uh, what's his name? Peter Chaka, John Chaka, yeah. to take that contract. He was like, they could go to a contender and be like, this guy's not going to be your first pairing, but he'll be a great second pairing defenseman. No, you're not paying. No team that is good that is hoping to contend is paying Duncan Keith, 35-year-old Duncan Keith, $5.53 million through 2023. That's not happening. He's 35. Wow. Oh, that team just, like, aged so poorly so quick. The minute Duncan Keith loses a step is the minute he is, like, shouldn't have an NHL yeah. career anymore, and he is, like, halfway there. This <laughs> oh, yeah. whole game he's was, like, speed. He's lost half a step for sure. Yeah, it was speed and stick checking. And when he doesn't have the speed, he's not going to be able to lift some guy's stick or start whacking around at their ankles uh-huh. unless they place themselves in front of the net. Yeah. So I don't know what his game and is. Look, let's be a little, let's be a little fair. Complimentary, yes. In saying, like, when we're going to dig in to the wild in a bit. And mm-hmm. when we dagger their cat friendly page, <laughs> it's just all daggers. This team at least was paying people that won them a Yeah, they got three them cups three out cups. of us. Yeah. So hindsight is yeah. powerful I'm and it looks them. bad now, but I'd give any number of terrible contracts to win three cups. Oh yeah. Tyler Bozak can be signed here I would through like Tyler Bozak seventeen million dollars a season to win a cup. Yeah. I don't get like any 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 amount for any player. I'd bring back Yori Laterra if it, well, Whoa. There's, there's some limitations. Um, but no, but like, so that kept in mind. But Kane and Taves are on matching $10.5 million deals through 2023. See, now, Kane is 29 years old. He's still producing 70 points a year. It's a little overpriced, but if he stays at that rate, it's not the end of the world. I mean, he's a scumbag, so going by earlier, don't associate <laughs> with these people policies. It is bad, but he gets them all sorts of Gatorade advertising revenue, so he's real smooth. <laughs> Jonathan Taves, though, like you can only push the he's a great leader narrative so far. If he's going to get you you 50 points 52 points was it was that mm-hmm. the number the actual number yep that's unacceptable <laughs> for 10 and a half million dollars i don't care if he captained the titanic up from the depths <laughs> and got it back to shore with crew and alive. leo and leo i don't uh, care if he please Jonathan. personally Woodworked a bigger door, not that he needed one because the original <laughs> door was plenty big enough. But I don't care what he does. Ten point five million. It's like to 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 rag on another Chicago sports legend. It's like when people are like Jason Hayward made the speech that won the Cubs the World Series. I don't care. You're paying him three hundred million dollars. He has to do more than make speeches. Um, I know it's not three hundred, but it's over two hundred. I think it's. I just ugh, that's bad enough. Brandon sod six million dollars, three more years. He's he's a thirty five point player now. I mean, maybe he rebounds, but that's not good. Our team Anisimov. How much do you think he's making per season? Um, I know for a fact he had under 40 points because I just 
canned him off my <laughs> fantasy roster. Uh, I'm going to say five and a half. <laughs> Four and a half. Okay. So not as bad as you thought, but still not good. Mm-hmm. Three more years, and then the rest of their team is also Rams. I mean, it's Schmaltz and Debrinkatter on there. How much, by the way, do you think they overpay Schmaltz this season? Because I bet it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I bet it's like five million plus, maybe uh, six million plus. I, I bet you. Oh boy, you I bet they go seven. just no. I think they go just a skosh under six. They do like the weird like five, five eight, eight five. five yeah. yeah, but for like six years. Yeah, and you're like. Nothing. No part of that's okay. Like the cap's going up, and be like, I don't care. <laughs> Their defense, it's a train wreck. Corey Crawford, fortunately for them, will be a UFA in two years. So whatever, you know, Elliot Freeman talked about it. Like they were probably putting him on the ice just to get insurance money to prove that he can't go. But we'll see. I really like I Corey Crawford is the only Blackhawk that I marginally respect. So I kind <laughs> of hope. You know he's what? Okay. I agree. <laughs> In retrospect, at the time, I was like, oh my God, he fought Robbie Fabry after he tossed Fabry on the boards. And that was the weirdest. And Fabry got the penalty. But you know what was weird about that? I was kind of, even after that, I was like, you know what? I can get behind that. They're losing like 3-1 <laughs> right now at home in the playoffs to their heated rival. Yeah, just start throwing punches and see if people get pissed and angry and the crowd gets hyped. Sure, why not? Yeah, nothing gets a crowd hyped like a goalie fight. So yeah. you gotta do something. I gotta hit Bobby Eyebrows square in the nose. I, I just... <laughs> I just always felt like Crawford was the only one on that team who wasn't, like, somewhat overrated. Like, Crawford was the only one that was underrated. He's underrated. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. I I felt like people were always like, they're winning all these cups in spite of Corey Crawford's adequate goaltending. And I'm like, I'd take Corey Crawford in a heartbeat. Please. Um, But, yeah, so I hope he's all right. I hope he hasn't played his last How old is he? 33, which is a little older than it was. Goalies are always older than I think because their rookie season's like when they're 26 or something. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Um, you want to talk about their center depth a bit since we did have a question about oh, that? Oh, yeah. Week? So, yeah, I marked the top three centers for each of these Central Division teams because we had a question last week just about how we think the Blues' center depth stacks up to other teams. So you got Jonathan Taves, obviously, you got Artem Anizimov, and then I think Nick Schmaltz ended up playing center a fair bit for Chicago last year. I mean, decent centers. I think name-wise, we just look at me like, that's a, a all-right center group. I don't know how Nick Schmaltz is necessarily. His face-off percentage was almost under 40%, so not great on the dot. But I mean, Not he had, terrific. But he had a good year last year. I mean, he had 31 assists. Artem Anizimov, almost kind of a weird Patrick Berglund like. I think we remember he. I think he rarely is got a there, Patrick yeah. Berglund. He didn't really get assists, but he scored mm-hmm. decently. So I mean, Anizimov, twenty goals, eleven assists last year, and then we talked about Jonathan Taves. I mean, he's still good on the dot, fifty-eight percent. I think he does a good job of you know a, as a two-way player. I, I I think the Blues have better center depth than them, you know, plain and simple as it is right now. I agree, yeah, for sure. I would much rather have O'Reilly, Bozak, Shin, mm. not even counting Thomas over those three guys. Oh, for I know. Sure, so. so what do you think? They missed the playoffs? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So to me, this is still a very good team, or very good conference, but mm-hmm. to me, there's very little question about who's in and who's out. We'll talk about it more at the end of the whole thing, yeah. but there's maybe 
one spot that's even mildly up for debate for me. And I, I don't think it is. We'll talk about it. But um, let's, well, let's talk about, I wanted to do a second because I'm on kind of a prospect kick. So forgive me, bear with me. Um, just to talk about a couple of prospects from each system that may make an impact this year. I tried to limit it to two. There's one case where I've touched on three, but one of them will not make an impact this year, which is why I chose him to dagger this team further. <laughs> but um, Dylan Sakura is a name you will definitely hear this year uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, he will be this year's Alex DeBrincat, who was last year's Nick Schmaltz. I mean, that's they're just going to have one of these guys every year. Um <laughs> He's a smaller, but he's a dynamic offensive threat. They've got a type. Some some hockey teams like tall, leggy blondes. <laughs> the Blackhawks like small, dynamic forwards. <laughs> um, Sakura, fun fact, played on what was arguably the best line in college hockey last season at Northeastern with his captain, oh, captain, his captain, Nolan <laughs> Stevens uh, of the St. Louis Blues and Adam Gaudette of the of the uh, Vancouver Canucks, all three uh, pretty highly rated prospects, although Stevens probably lowest among them, but I, I still like Stevens. Yeah. Um, I really think, I mean, I really think you're looking at a similar kind of Alex DeBrincat season, maybe not quite as many goals, but, you know, 40 to 50 point range. It's, it's just, I mean, there really is a type. I'm not, you know, yeah. it's, they, they draft and develop those people really well. Um, and he's going to play this year, I'm pretty confident. He looked really good in Traverse City. Um, he was probably their best player on the ice. So I think that is no surprise. And then the other question, they have a defensive prospect named Henry Jokey Harju or Henri Jokey Harju. Um, yeah, it's a fun Swedish name. Uh, <laughs> he's really good. Um, there's a little question whether he'll be out this year. He's got a kind of your kind of your Vince done, maybe a little bit. Uh, he could quarterback a power play, he's smaller. Um, but he's, you know, that kind of puck moving offensive defenseman. Not a Great defenseman, but good enough to play on that defensive core, as you already kind of alluded to. Uh, he's only 19. He was really good last year, I think, in the WHL. I think he played for that one team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll come to I'll me. I'll just start naming them. Um, yeah, name all the WHL teams. No, it's it's one that I definitely know and can't think of. Brandon Wheatkings. Uh, no. Rats. <laughs> Um, he'll probably, I would think, at least get his nine-game shot, particularly if there's an injury or anything. I could definitely see him make the team, but he's not hes not like Robert Thomas where it feels like he's totally passed oh, junior. junior hockey by. I think he could benefit from going back, but I don't necessarily see it. And then their best prospect who won't be up this year is Adam Boquist, who they drafted first this year. Very high pick, very high defenseman, looked pretty good. When I saw him at Traverse City, shall we move on to the Colorado Avalanche? Let's do it. Colorado Avalanche, I think fairly, will be one of the teams that drops, I don't want to say significantly, I don't think they're going to fall off the map in this division, but I think they will miss the playoffs. I'm pretty confident in that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Finished 43-30-9 with 95 points. Obviously, we all remember they beat us in the final game of the season to clinch the last playoff spot in the Central. Um, Then they lost to Nashville in the first round. And it was a series that I think ended up being a little tighter than a lot of people thought. It won six games. Um, Nathan McKinnon, 97 points last year. Phenomenal player. Miko Rantanen, 84 points last year. Good player. Don't know if he's phenomenal. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, we got some text message comments from Avs correspondent Jordan. Gabriel Landeskog, only 62 points last year. Team captain. Good player, but I don't know. You would think he'd have had more points on that line. I don't know. but um, Yeah, a little odd. Good player. I mean, he's a good power forward. Tyson Berry, obviously, their defenseman, uh, and Alexander Kerfoot. And I think, you know, Eric Johnson, much as we... As Blues fans may harbor not the happiest feelings toward him, he's been a really good defenseman there for a really long time and is totally overlooked in the NHL. So um, credit to him. Uh, They lost Jonathan Bernier, Blake Como, Andrew Hammond, and Niall Yakupov, whose brief tenure, well, I think career-long tenure as one of the biggest first overall draft busts uh, is still continuing, but his brief tenure as a Colorado Avalanche is over. They signed Ian Cole to a kind of weird three-year, $12 million deal, almost $13 million deal. Signed Matt Calvert to a kind of weird three-year, almost $9 million deal. Um, They re-signed Matt Nieto. They re-signed Patrick Nemeth, um, which is always weird because... I had a high school friend of I him, mean, you knew him too. His mm. name was Patrick Nemeth. So every time I read that, I'm like, they have mm. Patrick Nemeth. I don't know if he's worth that uh, much. <laughs> I never saw him play hockey. And then they got uh, Philip Grubauer from Washington, and the Brooks Orpic salary dump was a really nice move for them. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, they basically uh, acquired probably their goaltender of the future. Um, what are your questions about this team? Uh, well, we're talking about Grubauer. I'm just wondering how big of a get that is. I think it's fairly big with how Varlamov has had a hard time staying healthy over the last couple mm-hmm. seasons. And having a goalie like Grubauer as a safety net will help immensely. Yeah, I'm thinking it's probably going to be more of a 1A, sort of 1B scenario. Because even if Varlamov's healthy, I think he's played, when healthy, like a vast majority of their games. Uh-huh. And I think having that flexibility for both of them would help them a whole lot, especially because I still think their defense is like iffy as far as like the defense part of it goes. Yeah. So I think having a strong goaltender really helps this team. We saw that a couple years ago when they made the playoffs kind of out of nowhere. And if you looked at the numbers, it was just Varlamo <laughs> standing on his head yeah, the whole season. For sure. Did he win a Vesna that year? I don't know if he did. He should have. He was definitely a nominee, I think. Um, yeah, I think, and also, just as an aside, forgive me for blowing my nose, I'm 90% over that cold that I had last yeah. week, but it's always the congestion that sticks around. We all remember, it's double dare slime <sighs> for sure. everywhere. It's terrible. Um, I think this organization is ready to move on from Varlamov when his contract is up at the end of the season. I think so. And I think they have his air in waiting and Philip Grubauer... Very not not only was the trade nice, but they signed into a very nice three year, nine ten million dollar deal. So, just very safe in all respects. Yeah. Um, I really liked that deal for the Avalanche. Um, further up the lineup, I think their defense 
is not great yet, but they have gone from having no defense at all and no defensive prospects to actually having a good defensive prospect group. Um, but how do you feel about their defense kind of overall before we talk about the prospects a little bit? Um, I think they're good offensively. I mean, I think Eric Johnson's a good two-way defender. I think he's almost kind of more of a defensive defenseman mm. than anyone ever thought he was going to be. Yeah, but I think he's a, a little bit better point producer, I think, too, than people really? give him credit Probably. I've, I've got to say... Forget, uh, I'll see if I can get it, but Jordan had some bonkers stat about really. him that was like... He had, you know, the seventh most share of PowerPoint points. I forget he's in this league, honestly. I mean, we play the Avalanche about four times a year. I kind of pay attention to him because they're in our division, but I swear I just forget that he's around still. Yeah, I mean, he's he's always going to be saddled with first overall pick regret, and I get that, but... Um, he's turned it into a, a very a respectable very NHL defenseman. career. We talk about this a lot. Some draft years just don't have the Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. If there'd been a Connor McDavid that year, promise we would have picked him. Like it's not like we screwed up. Eric Johnson oh, yeah. was pretty much the everybody number was going to draft him. So yeah, I mean that's that's all I'd say about him. And I'll try to yeah. find this. I don't think their defense necessarily is, uh, or at least their decor is what I find troubling. I think it's their forward group. They're mm-hmm. not they're not terrible. But they have a bonkers good first line in Landis, Cog, McKinnon, and Rontanen. Mm-hmm. But then after that is just kind of just some guys. I mean, you got Kerfoot, you've got uh, Tyson Jost, two guys that I think will be fighting for that second line center spot. I think ultimately it's probably going to go to Kerfoot, even though I think they've drafted Jost and have sort of been grooming him for that role. I think Kerfoot sort of fell into it better last year from what I could tell stats-wise. And then you got like Soderberg centering the third line, you got some decent guys there, but I, they have to step up. They have to be more than just that one line. Mm-hmm. And not that other teams didn't necessarily catch on till later in the season, but I think teams are going to be super prepared for like, oh, they're that line. Yeah, I'll absolutely. stop that line, and that'll be that. Yeah, And I think the same thing, I'm probably going to say the same thing when we get to Dallas, but one-line teams <coughs> are exciting to watch because that top line is just crazy good. Mm-hmm. But they just don't do much later. Yeah, yeah, you can get to the postseason. They did last year just barely, but they made it. They made a little more noise than people thought they were going to against Nashville. I think some of that, no offense to the Avalanche, is kind of Nashville not expecting much out of them. Yeah, probably writing them off a little bit yeah. for sure. But they're going to have to be more uh, than that. What's his name? Hamburg, or I think stole. Oh, yeah. Was there was at least one game. game where he stood on his head. Yeah. Just kind of going more towards this team with really good goaltending could make more noise than, the, than, you know, could cover up some deficiencies, let's say. But they're going to need more. I think they have players that can do more. I think Kerfoot and Jost can do that. It's just a matter of seeing the production mm-hmm. on the ice this season. I found that Eric Johnson stat. He missed 20 games last year, and he was still 12th in the league in shorthanded minutes logged. Wow. And the team had the fourth best penalty kill in the league. So he l- literally never leaves the ice. I mean, he mu- like he must mm-hmm. almost never leave the ice shorthanded. And they have a great penalty kill all pretty much on his shoulders. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of what you said. I think the Avs are in a really great position where you always want to win. Mm-hmm. But they do not have to sweat it if they take a, a tiny step back this yeah. year. They're, they have 
two picks next year, including the one that will certainly be top four. I mean, there's no chance. There's no chance that team doesn't finish in the lottery <laughs> top mm-hmm. three. Um, and could be number one in a year yeah. where the number one overall pick is not quite McDavid, but close. Yeah, this team already looks fine. And if all of a sudden they have Jack Hughes yeah. coming down the pipe, it's like, holy cow. Yeah. Um, but even if they, even if it's, you know, whoever third pick is, and then even if they miss the playoffs, let's say they get the 10th pick, like, then you've got two great players right away, you know, coming pretty mm-hmm. soon. Um, so they're in a, they're in a position where, you know, you want to win, but their roster's still thin. As you said, I think it's a prove-it year for Alexander Kerfoot and um, Tyson Jost a little bit. Uh, some of the comments Jordan made, he said there are zero proven scores, uh, secondary scores, mm-hmm. obviously, on the roster. Uh, is Kerfoot legit? Is Jost legit? Rantanen had lots of secondary assists, he said, so his point total may be a little inflated. Um, the defense is better than it's been in years, but there are still question marks there. Zadorov may not reach his full Zadorov, excuse me, may not reach his full potential, and Gerard needs to produce, but he's twenty. And then he said he's twenty years old, just to be clear. <laughs> um, so it's asking a lot for him. And he said the Avs stayed the same while the Central got better, which I think is a discredit to the great impact of Ian Cole. But no, um, yeah, I mean, and I think. You know, even Elliot and and uh, Jeff kind of talked about it as like they have nothing to lose this year, really. I mean, it's it's nice because the pick that really matters, they can win the Stanley Cup, and that's not changed. You know, not yeah. that they're going to, but like the worst case scenario for them is that they miss the playoffs this year and end with two really good picks. You know, and then what can you imagine if they? Missed the playoffs and then ended up like moving way up in the lottery. <laughs> oh, they're like one and two or yeah. something. <laughs> one oh, and three or whatever. I would love a back to back where you're like, are we going to get Jack Hughes and we'll take the next one too? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Um, yeah, so I think they're a team that's on the up, but I do think they will probably miss the playoffs this year. I'd agree. Uh, let's talk a little bit about their prospects briefly. Ranked 21st, the system as a whole was by Corey Pronman. Uh, their top prospect is Kale McCarr, which is a great hockey Ooh, I've name. heard of that name. Um, he was the guy drafted right after Miro Heiskanen last year. Uh, he may n- he probably won't be up this year, but he's a very highly rated defenseman amongst Prospects, not just their prospects. Um, two players that could make an impact this year. Vladislav Kamenev was a big piece, literally, of the uh, Duchesne trade, which, wow, talk about a trade that saved a general manager's mm-hmm. career. Joe Sackick would not be there anymore, I don't think, if he hadn't made that trade. Um, Kamenev is 6'2", He's a great passer. He's got good two-way hockey sense. Um, he's got good vision and touch, but he's also obviously big size. Um, big size. He <laughs> is big size. He's got the bottom half. It's, it's great. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, and I think he has some tools. I just, I personally think he could be a really unique player in this league. Uh, you know, not one of the truly elite players, but just one of those guys you know, maybe like a, a Wayne Simmons or somebody that you just hate to play against because mm-hmm. he's always bringing it. You know, that that guy who's physical but also skilled but also fast, but, you know, just everything. 
Um, and then Connor Timmons is their second highest rated defensive prospect. And it is kind of weird how, you know, for years I've known Jordan, and it's always been this team has no defense and they have no prospects mm-hmm. in defense. They just keep drafting forwards. And now in like a cocaine heartbeat, basically, they have Zadorov and Samuel Girard from the um, Predators trade. And, uh, you know, now they've got Timmons and, and Makar, and that's, you know, your top four could be you know, most of your top four for a long time. So it's just weird how things change. Um, Timmons was great in the OAHL with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds last year. Good hockey sense, good puck mover, kind of your typical two-way defenseman. Uh, He'll probably start the year in the AHL, but he could see a call-up at some point. And I think he'll be pretty good. Uh, Mm -hmm. I also think the Dallas Stars will be pretty good. So let's talk about them. Um, they also missed the playoffs last year. Did you have anything more to say about Colorado? Um, I don't want to race on. No, I don't think so. Oh, center depth-wise, oh, yeah. McKinnon, Kerfoot, Soderberg. I think it goes from... I'd take the top yeah, for exactly. sure, but it's a real steep drop-off. I can't, I can't show you my visual on a podcast, but yeah, McKinnon, better than our centers, and then all of a sudden, our centers, and then... All of our centers, yeah, and then possibly. Kerfoot and Soderberg. I think Kerfoot could be fine. Kerfoot, I think, will be all right. But I, think it's a, I think it's a steep drop-off, like, yeah, talent-wise. Sure. Um, Soderberg is what Tyler Bozak might be in like six or seven years. <laughs> a kind of once good washed up defenseman who the Blues drafted. Although the Blues didn't draft Tyler Bozak, but I believe they did draft Carl Soderberg. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas Stars finished with 92 points last year, so really didn't miss the playoffs by all that much. I think we kind of wrote them off as yeah. kind of well, a lousy team. And did they have like a bigger second-half push at some point? Well, maybe earlier in the second half. I think the reason a lot of people wrote them off and you're remembering it like that is because their last uh, stretch there towards the end of the season, they went 9-12-4. and four. So when it Not re- great. So when it counted... Not so great. So I think people automatically were already like, okay, so they're not going to make it at all, are they? And I I was a patented Ken Hitchcock. I played the hell out of these guys, and now they're just too tired to play anymore. Is my my takeaway from that. I mean, we dropped off at the end of every season, it felt like. Oh, man. I mean, obviously there was that one really extraordinary one where we darn near missed the playoffs. 13-14. I believe we lost like la- like eight of our last eight, and then we also had a bazillion injuries, mm-hmm. and then there was we something else that happened wiped too. Wiped in the playoffs. I yeah, believe. we went up two games against Chicago, the good old two zero up, and then the lost classic. the other four. I think what was that? It was a lot of injuries, and there was something else too. Oh, we lost the uh, Central Division title by just like a point. Oh yeah. If we had won any of those games, we win the Central Division, but instead the Avalanche won. Nice. Cool. <laughs> Great job, Ken. Um, yeah. Ken Hitchcock is now gone, replaced by Jim Montgomery. Is that yep. his name? Montgomery. I like him. I think he'll be good. He'll be part of Montgomery Gentry. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I think they're a band. But Maybe. There you go. He's a player's coach, so I think there'll be more offense for sure. Yeah. Jamie Venn was their top scorer, 79 points last year. Um I guess we'll talk about it. Let's do it. Elliot Friedman on 31 Thoughts kind of cryptically said that Dallas wants more out of Jamie Venn. I'll take what he, like, if they want to get rid of him, I'll take what he's mm-hmm. given him. 
Do you think when you watch him play and stuff, though, doesn't it look kind of like... And I always thought it was just because he was bigger, but that he's kind of lazy? I mean, he, he does... He did literally sit on our couch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So he doesn't want to sit on I was pretty lady, lazy. He just... Yeah, I, I, mean, I always thought I it was can, a big body thing, but it's just like I can kind of see where the like maybe skate a little I harder, can maybe back sort of a little see, harder. Like I think if he was really driven, he could be one of the league's yeah, genuinely exactly. elite players. And I think he has been in the past. I think didn't he win the Hart Trophy one year or come really close yeah. one year? Um, so I can sort of see it, but like. But also, Maybe I'll take what build he's Build a better me. team below him yeah. and not bitch about him. Well, so exactly. Much. I don't think Jamie Ben not trying his very hardest is your biggest problem. Right, and he's he is their captain too. Yeah. Right, so it could be some of that, like a lead by example thing, thing that we don't know about. Got but it. yeah, Jamie Ben is not their issue for sure. <laughs> um, Tyler Sagan is not their issue either. He had 78 points, 40 goals, and will be a Dallas star for a long time. I think that was a winner of a contract for yeah. him. Um, he's still pretty young. Uh, Alexander Radulov was friggin' phenomenal there. 72 points, 27 goals, 45 assists. John Klingberg had kind of a breakout season, but like, I don't know, 8 goals, 58 assists, 59 assists. Like, mm-hmm. pot a few more, drop, please. <laughs> Um, and then uh, Matthias Janmark was, it's a huge drop off. I yeah, mean, I think that's the cliff. real interesting point there is 67 points was Klingberg, their fourth highest scorer. Janmark was 34, their fifth highest scorer. Um, they lost Mike McKenna, I guess. To, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of I guesses. I mean, he was yeah. there, he helped them in the AHL playoffs, I think. But He's a hometown boy. Yeah. St. Louis. Hey, there born you go. Born and raised. Dan Hamuse has gone to Nashville, really? I forgot about that. That's so weird. Yeah. Uh, Greg Pattern is with Minnesota. God, that As team. is like nine other crap players. Yikes. And um, Antoine Roussel got paid in francs. <laughs> I think it's just euros for them too, but that's you know. true. Um, <laughs> they signed Roman Polak. There you go. That's a winner. A- Anton Qdoba got some of that spicy, <laughs> spicy queso, that Diablo queso. Um, Blake Como is gonna comb over his hair to the tune of three years, seven point <laughs> two million dollars. They shored up their oh, forward group ooh, with Devin Shore by re-signing him for two years, 4.6. Give me one on this name. Shored up, by the way, was easily the best of those Oh, buttons. it was. Go ahead. Try uh, the next one. They, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it. I'm going to get it. They Yanmarked their calendars for Very victory good. with Matthias Yanmark for a year and $2.3 million. And they reacquired Valeri Nachushkin, who's not a good NHL player. Mm-mm. In my head, I honest to God thought he was like a 60-point score. Was he really good in like that playoff series against us? Is that what I'm thinking of? I don't of? think he was either. Like I don't, I don't know where I got my head, where I got it in my head that he was like a really good NHL player. They said because when I looked it up lot. today, I was like, <gasps> it was like a, re- it was like a loss of innocence moment. I was like, this guy sucked. Um, yeah, thirty-four his, points. Yeah, yikes! Highest. That's not good. <laughs> not very good. I'm guessing they're um, hoping for more from him. You talked about what they were down the stretch. Uh, they have a new coach. It's not Ken Hitchcock. 
So that's a plus. <laughs> I don't like... How do you respect Ken Hitchcock appropriately for being an all-time winningest coach and also admit that he's not that great a coach? <laughs> I don't know how you walk that line, but... He was w- he there from one year, right? Yeah, he was just there that last year. And he's still part of the organization, I think, but... Yeah, I'm sure. He's definitely one of those guys that's never going to be able to step away from hockey yeah. completely. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's... He's fine. Garrett saw him at a gas station in Traverse City last year. So oh, I was like, now he was being chauffeured. So there you go. Cool. Uh, imagine having Ken Hitchcock swear at you about your driving. You're not you driving didn't turn fast in there enough. fast enough. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell that story briefly? I don't know. Have we, we talked we, about it on here? We before? can go quick. I think it was just talked about on what was that? Spit and chicklets. Yeah. Uh, Paul Bissonnette podcast. Yeah. Bizonette was just talking to Joel Edmondson, and Joel Edmondson admitted that, well, then Bizonette was here on a tryout, too, at one mm-hmm. point. And they were both talking about how a lot of the senior players respected Ken Hitchcock in a different way, where they just pretty much cursed at him at any time that he yelled at them on the bench. And apparently that's he's trying to get them going, but yeah, it's more or less... Apparently that's kind of what he wanted, That's right? his like, shtick, is that he wants them to be angry, because then he put them right back out on the uh-huh. ice. So, yeah, I think there's a couple of times where he's like, you're not back checking hard enough. And maybe it'd be Troy Brower would be like, shut the fuck up. And I was like, and I guess Bissonette was like, I knew this was a dynamic places, but I'd never seen it. It like blew me away because he's like, I'm not going to tell this coach that. He's won a Stanley Cup before. That's awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, what questions are there about this team? They're much like you said with Colorado. Yeah. Their top line. Is really good. I mean, I don't know if they're all going to be on the same line, but that top three of Radulov and Ben and Sagan are bonkers good. Mm. And then it's just it's a drop off. Radic Fox is really good, but not in like a flashy way. Is like he the fast one? He's the one that's like a two way, like a sulky candidate. Okay, I don't know if he's faster. Him or Yamark, I remember being kind of quick when they we might were have been played faster. against them. I mean, there's just so many. I think they have the players and the potential, but I just think there's so many question marks for this team. Or I just, don't know why. And we talked about it a little bit earlier. I'm really high on this team, well, and I, think, I don't know why. Well, I know well, one of the reasons why. We'll talk about them in a minute. But mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I think it's prospects, but like right now, this team. Like, Yanmark needs to improve. Fox needs to improve. Hansel, who I forget the, they had at all. That was such a Ken Hitchcock yeah. signing. How much do you think they regret that? Uh, he needs to stay healthy. I mean, he just needs to be a body. Jason Spezza needs to exist Yeah, Jason. I'm sure he'll do better without Hitchcock. I'm sure that guy was the one that's screaming, fuck you, Hitchcock, yeah. on the bench. <laughs> yeah, Through his goofy laughing. <laughs> Uh, Nishushkin needs to be more than the 34-point player, which is his career high in the NHL. A uh, healthy Mark Mathai, a healthy Ben Bishop. If all those things happen, like this could be a really good team, but I don't think all those things are going to yeah, happen. Yeah, you know what? I'm very quickly changing my opinion on this. Team. I think they have a bright future. They do. And and so let's talk about that a little bit, their prospects. Um they have my favorite non-blue prospect in the league right now, Miro Heiskanen. I don't know why I'm in love with this man, but I am in a really profound way. His face, 
Not very good. <laughs> would but tra- the bottom would tra- <laughs> Would trade face for Dominic Bach's face any day of the week, twice on Sunday. But the player, I'd make the reverse trade in a cocaine heartbeat. <laughs> and I like Dominic Bach. Uh, I don't know if he's... I, I, look, I, I, I initially said I think he could be your future Carlson Burns headman. I don't think he's that so much as I feel like he's kind of a Petrangelo, Dowdy, okay. maybe not quite to that level, but like just your really, really good defenseman who has offensive upside. Like both of those guys, Petrangelo especially last year, don't really get enough credit for what they can do offensively. Um and I think he he'll have more offensive upside than that guy those guys, but a lot more steady defense than kind of the, you know, typical Carlson Burns. Uh maybe Hedman is the best comp in that respect. But anyway uh, he was the named the top defenseman in Finland's Liga last year as just an 18-year-old, which oh, wow. is pretty good. Um, he just has really great hockey sense. Um, he's not, as I said, going to be your offensive superstar, but he just looked so far above the competition in Traverse City. It, you know, just a couple of players, Kairou to a certain extent, but just a couple of players... We're so queerly NHL ready that you're just like, what are you even doing here? Like, mm-hmm. protect yourself and get <laughs> off the ice. Um, I'm j- I don't know. I just think he and Klingberg, he's le- he's a lefty, Klingberg's a righty. They are going to be one of the league's elite pairing for a long, long time, I think. And so I'm jealous that they have him. They've got a couple other guys tied to Landria. Um, a guy named I think it's Justin Robertson or Robinson or Jason Robertson. It's a very plain name, and so I can't <laughs> remember which is which. They're both a couple years off or a year off. Um, and then the other, the forward that I think could make a great and uh, make an impact this year. Great name, great hockey name, Rupa Hints. R O O P E. So I don't know if it's Rupi or Rupa. I think it's Rupa Hints. Um, Where's he from? I don't know. Oh, I, I will you. look it up. I will look it up. I think he's Swedish, maybe weirdly, but that's one of those two easily. But the name is just, just gonna so be weird. From like Southern California, <laughs> Come Finland. On. He's one of those oh, Finns. Okay, I should have. We talked about this earlier. What a silly question. Yeah. You're right. Any weird name? Just like weird name. It's like, oh yeah, that's. Finland. I'm used to the Tukaruka Buka. <laughs> yeah, I'm we like, should. Oh know. yeah. Um, he's not, as I mentioned, their best prospect. They've got Delandria and, and Robertson. I did write it down, so it is Robertson. Still don't know if it's Jason or Justin, but it is Robertson. <laughs> and Tufty is ahead of them, him, too, according to Prom. And he looked great in Traverse City. He's 6'3", 205. Reminds me a lot of, of Alexei Torovchenko. I think they've got some similarities in their game, mostly that they're really relentless. They're aggressive four-checkers. Um they're just strong in the offensive zone and, and unrelenting. Um, and I think he'll push for a roster spot this year. He's 21. He had only 35 points in 70 AHL games last year, but then he had 12 in 22 playoff games. I don't know that he has a ton more growing to do in the AHL, and so I could just see him being up this year and being a name. Yeah, here. You have more to say about the Stars? Dallas Stars. Oh, I hate their song, their goal <laughs> chant, Chris. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I'm keep, I, I'm I really when I said earlier that I was confident who the top spots in this league mm-hmm. were, I thought this team was better. I do think I think they will push for a playoff spot. I think I do think they will be in the playoffs, and the Avs will not. 
But I'm telling you who definitely won't be if we're done with the Stars. Um, yes, I think Dallas might be in a playoff spot because I think we, I think the Central occupies both of the wildcard spots. Yes, and, and I think Pacific gets neither. One of the teams that will not be occupying those wildcard spots is the Minnesota Wild. I'm calling it. They're missing the playoffs. Really? This year. Yeah. I think this team is going to be god-awful lousy. I think they're going to arguably have a collapse like the Blackhawks I mean, I am all for it. Let's let it happen. There is no way on God's green earth that Eric Stahl is putting up 76 points. I don't know. Seems really like it could happen. (laughs) How they did not trade him this summer for Max Dollar. Oh, I was like, Max? I was like, who's Max Dollar? (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand. I I don't know. I mean, maybe they make the playoffs, but I think Elliot Freeman said it best when he said Bruce Boudreaux's never been, never missed the playoffs as a head coach, and he said he's going to have to do the coaching job of his life to get this team to the playoffs this year. I just think they are so... And Jeff Merrick said it best, too, I think, when he said... When I think of the most average teams in the NHL, the Wild and the Kings Mm -hmm. are really those two teams. Except that the Wild do not have Drew Doughty and Andre Mm -hmm. Kopitar. Exactly. So they're even averager. That's what I was thinking. This team is so many just second and third line guys. And some of them used to be first line guys. Zach Parise is a second line guy. Used to be first line guys, but age-wise they're not anymore. Or they're younger or, you know, should be in their prime. And they're just not that. I mean, I can think there's so many of them. Charlie Coyle, Jason Zucker, Nino Niederreiter. F- fine NHL players. The end. Like, <laughs> There's the Red Letter Media uh, review of the Phantom Menace, the yeah. Star Wars prequels. And there's like a two-minute scene where in his typical weird voice he's talking about what a protagonist or protagonist yeah. is and he names off all these Marty McFly, Indiana Jones, oh, yeah. something about the way you said that was like Jason Zucker, Miko Koyer. You could just fade to black. <laughs> yeah, they you have, literally could. They have so many. They have the league's supply of third line players. They're all there. They're and good. they're really good yeah, third line good. players, but they're certainly not top six players. And you, they'll have flashes of guys, and I, I always think that too. I'm like, oh, this player showed up finally. It'll be like Michael Granlund. I'm like, oh, this guy's finally going to be their second line center. And he is for like a stretch of games, and then he's not anymore. And it's like, I don't know what to think about these about this team. And They've got decent defense. I think Dumba looked really good last year Dumba. in uh, Suter's absence. And then I heard a lot of people saying, you know, I think the Wild would have been better last year in the playoffs if they had Suter healthy. And I think they're right because just Who'd having they lose them. To? The Jets? The Jets. They wouldn't have in been five much games. <laughs> Exactly. I'm like, he would have helped because he, he was there. Into six. Yeah. Maybe. The goal differential, a little bit smaller. Yeah. But like, no, 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 no. Ryan Suter's old now. I'm sorry. And nothing justifies that contract. I do think Ryan Suter's still a first line defenseman. He's still but very he's not good. A great first line defenseman. No. He's too old. What is he? He's thir- well, I mean, he's 33. That's not ancient for a defenseman. But it's old enough, and they're paying him until God dies. (laughs) (laughs) They're paying both him and Zachary. This team will not be relevant. 
until those contracts are off their books. They can't be. They can't spend $14 million onto not mm. worth it, remotely worth it players in the case of Parisi. Their new GM, Paul Fenn, inherited like a secret mess. Because I didn't Yeah, really I mean, think he this has team... to have known what he got himself into. Yeah, but, but then his offseason was really bad, I well, thought. And did you even think this team was that much of a mess? Also, I, I, thought look he, at I it, feel like he made it more of a mess. He, the like, more I look at it, the worse listen it Listen to some of the players that aren't. Like, okay, so they've got Parise, Granlin, Zucker, Koivu, Niederreiter, Stahl. That's not a top six. That will be their top six. It's not a top six, Mm -hmm. but that's six acceptable players. They signed more crap this year. Behind them, and these are all, well, yeah, let's just talk about the players they signed, because you did copious notes on that. JT Brown, two years, 1.375. They signed, like... Six fourth line players, basically. Mm. Greg Pattern, I don't know who that is. He's a third pairing <laughs> defenseman. Yeah. Three years, six, seven million dollar contract. It. Andrew Hammond, he's a third goalie. He's gonna be your third goalie. I don't think he's back enough, Doomnik. Mm-hmm. I think that'll still be Staylock. So he's your third goalie. Which fine. I mean, you've got to have a third goalie. He's a great third goalie, but if you're going to your third goalie, you're already sunk anyway. <laughs> so Eric Fair, I don't, I, I love, I literally love Eric Fair. I didn't know this at all. I, I, I have weird thing with like turn of the decade capital players because me and Jordan start when we were first becoming friends. We started an NHL uh, 09 franchise as the Capitals, and so like those players endeared themselves to our hearts. Um, but so like Eric Fair is one of those weird players that I'm like, oh yeah, Eric Fair it just warms my heart. But like that dude should not be playing NHL hockey anymore. They, yeah, he should have retired three years ago. They only signed him because they lost Matt Cullen. Like we need that fourth line. We need center that ancient so fourth line center. Matt Hendricks a year seven hundred thousand. I mean that's an AHL guy. Maybe they tried really team. hard to fill out their fourth line Matt, this summer, and then they gave big contract extensions to Dumba and Z- Zucker, which I don't think either of those are bad. But they're just no. I like Dumba, maybe a first line defender. Yeah, but, but he's like much a low like tier. yeah, much like Suter, he's not a good. I mean, he's not your ideal first line defender. He's your A minus. He's your ideally like a second pairing right defenseman who can maybe quarterback a power play mm. sort of guy. Can I go on a little rant about? Please that's do. not even a rant. I, I, I don't know if I've inherited it from you yeah. or if I've developed it independently. I hate this team now. <laughs> Thank because you. Because there's so nothing, and you know their fans are so pretentious. That's what I mean. It's just a but nothing like, team. like pretentious, which is somehow worse. It's oh, you got a real good team down there in St. Louis this year. Yeah, we do, and we're gonna wipe the floor. With I had them. a different rant, but now I'm going on this rant. Will you still go on the original oh, yeah. rant? Well, okay. First off, Jared Spurgeon. A fine defender, tiny guy, you know, great character for fans to get behind. That guy does it all. He's four foot nothing, and he can defend, and he's proven everyone he's so tiny. I don't care. I never understood this. They are like, put their hats on this guy. Like, oh, Jared Spurgeon's like a top-tier defender. Like, no, he's not. I'm sorry, he's not. He's fine on your team. He actually has decent stats, but, like, they're always like, we've got Suter and Spurgeon. Like, I've heard people tell me, that that's like a top 10 
pairing, and I was like, only because of Suter. Don't give me this crap. <laughs> it's, I'm st- not. It's not even still. I know. Oh, man. For some reason, that always bugged me. I don't know why. They talked about it. If that's a top 10 pairing, it's number 10, and it's because there are 20 somehow worse <laughs> pairings in the NHL. It was just annoying, and it kind of transitions into the Minnesota thing. Because it's like, we get he's small, but he's still somehow good at defense. But they had to tell you all the time. And I was like, (laughs) I'm fine. I don't hate Jared Spurgeon, but I'm gonna. But he's so small. But he's so good at defense. I'm like, I hate him now. They're like a state full of Darren Pangs. Oh, man. So, yes. But like aggressive Darren Pangs. I've been to a handful of wild games where the Blues played the wild. And first of all... A very quiet environment for being like the state of hockey. They're like very polite hockey fans. You alluded to not a lot of screaming, not a lot of Hoosiers. Not like a you'll lot get of a wooing. yeah, like you'll get a Blues games, which I love. Not the wooing, but the Ho- <laughs> but the Hoosiers. You're uh-huh. near and dear to my heart. Let's go Blues! The people that are yelling. Oh my god, there was yeah. a terrible Rangers fan at Traverse. Oh really? City. He looked like. A like a community college poetry professor, and he spoke like a trailer park redneck, and not like accent wise, yeah. but the way he commented on the team. They were up two to one at one point, and he was like, "Don't look at the clock, boys. This is your game." Oh. And it's like, "Yeah, it is. Like literally, it's because the, they're ahead." You're one of, d- like, I, I he's know. one of those people yelling, shoot, on the power play. Oh, he was worse than that. Which I respect. He was one of those people who thinks he's the coach. Like, you got to play the trap here, boys. Number 37's got great speed on the way. Like, not to that detail, but almost to that oh, detail. Thankfully, no one liked that in That Minnesota. was a rant on a rant on a rant. I apologize, yeah. but go ahead. But I was just going to say, they're... It's just so politely smug, and there's been, I think I had a Brad Boys jersey on, and, and he got look, smashed in front of the glass. We respect politely smug. Yeah, sure, why but not? it's got to have its limits, even for us. I just got kind of weird, like... What was the Brad Boys story? Because this was great. Oh, I just wore a Brad Boys jersey. I, I don't know why I had one, whatever. <laughs> and this was like 2009, it's He was all we one had. of our bright spots. Yeah. Um, and he got checked on the boards right in front of us. We had like semi-glass seats. Mm-hmm. And the lady turned around next to me and she's like, hey, that's your boy. And kind of gave me like a smirk. And I was like, oh, (laughs) first of all, that's not my boy. (laughs) I'm embarrassed of this jersey. And number two, what the hell is this? They would score on us and this guy would turn around and he's like, well, he goes, I guess that's hockey. He's like, but I think the Blues are still pretty good. And I was like, I'd rather, honestly, you'd be like some Boston or Philly fan and be like, sucks to suck, you piece of shit. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> that would be so much I'm, better. I respect that so Nothing much more. worse than like the polite small talk ever. I don't mind that at the end when after all the yelling is done, you're like, ah, good game Oh, thing. yeah. At the end of a game, if they're like, man, you guys are a great team. Like, that's fine. That's whatever. Look, like, spit in my face. Yeah, <laughs> Not during really. the game, just punch me right in the chest. I'd please. much rather you, like, just yell at me for having, like, a, I, I did get crap for a lock jersey up there one time, though. Because this awesome. guy was like, Halak, Halak, I don't know his name, but he ain't stopping fucks. And I was like, that's pretty, I like, that's pretty good. I like you for that. Oh, that's great. This team. That's my only rant. End of rant. This team, 
I really just, I don't think they're going to be good. I don't know why. I just think they will miss the playoffs. There's no way Eric Stahl has 40 goals again. He is right up there with William Carrier, or not William Carrier. That was a downgrade even for William Carlson. (laughs) He's right up there with William Carlson, though, and, like, if they repeat, I'll eat a hat. But, um, yeah, they do have a couple decent prospects. Jordan Greenway is a giant. He's huge. I saw him in the halls a couple of times. He's massive. He's 6'5". He's great. Uh, He's aggressive. He plays with an edge. Is impossible to win pucks from down low and gets to the net hard, according to Corey Pronman. He's got good vision. He's not a high-end scorer, um, but he can do damage at even strength. I thought of kind of like a JVR, Wayne Simmons type of guy. Gotcha. Um, And he is huge. And then there's Luke Kunin, who's great. Um, and obviously a local kid from here, and I think he'll be a player this year. I think he's sort of a Paul Stastny um, type, maybe like a a, a, Paris, a poor man's Paris Berger, Patrice Bergeron in the sense that he's like, there's not that one thing that he does that wows you. Yeah, jack of all trades. But he's going to be like the best player on the ice most of the time. You know, he's just great at everything. Uh, but he actually does have a big shot. And uh, Promen said he's also a fierce competitor who can contribute defensively on top of his offensive tools. He won't be a highlight reel kind of guy, but he's a player coaches will love and could be a future captain. Um, That's all great. But to rub the dirt in the wounds (laughs) even deeper for this team, their best prospect is a Russian fellow by the name of Kirill Kaprizov. He is a legit NHL talent. He's very highly rated. He's a dynamic skill. He has a dynamic skill set with speed, good hands, and vision. All elite skills, and he will be bringing this elite skill set to the National Hockey League no sooner than 2020 because that is when his contract with his current KHL team is set to end. That is Kirill Kaprizov. And to me, you just don't count on that guy Mm-mm. at all. It's like a Yori Laterra where at some point he was just stuck in Finland forever. <laughs> and yeah. I, I don't plan for anything three years in advance much less for a hockey prospect. I know he's high-end, but I wouldn't be excited. If you told me Jordan Cairo, like Dominic Bach, there's a good example. I'm, I think Dominic Bach's a high-end potential prospect, mm-hmm. but there is zero excitement for me yet for Dominic Bach because it's going to be several years before we see him, and with him, there's no reason to believe we might never see him, which there could be with Kaprizov, so I just don't understand that at all, and I don't understand this team at all. They're the averagest team in the National <laughs> Hockey League. I think average still might get them in the playoffs no but yeah probably but yeah i just i i don't know i i don't know i i do feel (laughs) like the stars have more of a chance to like shoot through the roof like if if any team in this division are cells excluded because we made such huge divisions. If any team in this division is going to really surprise people by climbing, mm-hmm. I think it would be the Stars. If any of the team in this division is going to really surprise people by plummeting, I think it would be the Wild. 
I think the Avalanche are going to be okay, but not great this year. But I don't think they're going to fall off the face of the planet. They're not going to be that 48-point team or whatever they were a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess they probably miss the playoffs if, or make the playoffs. If they do, if we somehow face mm-hmm. them in the playoffs, I think a couple of years ago we were lucky to escape with our lives. But I think if we play them in the playoffs this year, we will destroy them so long as Jake Allen is not in Nero's playpen when <laughs> they play those games, which I hope he's not <laughs> for everyone. We sake. all do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Let's let's go ahead and move on to Nashville. To the two strongest teams. <sighs> what is? I mean, we can move kind of quickly through these teams because they're exactly what you thought they are, who you <laughs> thought they were, and you can't let them off the hook. Nashville had 117 points last year, finished first in the Central, first in the Western Conference, and first in the league. They won the President's Trophy, so naturally they were bounced in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they got beat by Winnipeg in that really long, great series that those two had. This is a team, you know, as much as as much as I feel like they're a great, great, great team, I look at their forward group and I am not all that inspired by it. They're really deep, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like the top-end talent is all that top-end. That's what I had written down. Isn't it kind of weird? Like, they're a, they're the Minnesota Wild where everyone got pushed up at once, <laughs> but they still haven't quite... They don't have... Um, I always think you need to have a really good defenseman, like a number one defenseman, and they have some good ones. I, I really think... EOC is close but like i feel like they the three or four of them the two of them combine into like a voltron like robot into a great four pairing that creates yeah, but one, no amazing one of them defenseman. is like the defense they rotate i feel like some months pk is the really good one some months yossi is you get at you know stepping up ellis but uh, yeah right before you puke you give a little home <laughs> i'm so sorry folks uh, um and then forwards, like you're saying, like really good forwards, you know, Philip Forsberg, guys like, um, who am I thinking of? Johansson, Turris, Benino. Speaking of Johansson, let's talk about center depth for like the last three oh, teams yeah. that we've skipped it on well, when we get there. But we'll get there. But I just think a lot of those guys are fine, or are mm-hmm. more than fine. They're good players, but they just don't have that like high end punch of this guy that you just have to watch at all times that kind of frees up the rest of your team. Yeah. They're just kind of they're most certainly a team that I always think of as like a sum of their parts. There's no one guy that when he goes down you're like they're screwed, which is a good thing, but it also I think lends to the fact that they don't really have that thing, that intangible thing to get them over the hump. Yeah, I feel like everyone treats them as one of the league's legit Stanley Cup contenders, I, I think that I think they are. If someone on that team can put it together, it's like holy crap. Phyllis, Philip Forsberg had like a bonkers yeah, season, and everyone I, else still did okay. I just feel like it's probably a stretch, but I, in some ways, in my head, I feel like their window's already closing. Like that's how delicate I feel like a Stanley Cup window is. Like they missed, scary. they missed against Pittsburgh. Then last year they let Winnipeg beat him. Now Winnipeg is kind of their white whale because, like, 
you can win the comp division all you want if you can't beat them in a seven game series. And I know it, you know, but they let Winnipeg come into their house and beat them in Game Seven. That was that's a tough building and too. Supposedly, and it is a great building. I mean, it is a yeah. hard building to play in, but they let it them come enough. in and win. So I think the playoffs too. They got they were a lot more shaky than they were during the season. Yeah, Kyle Turris was like a ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matias Ekholm, nowhere. There were had a lot of guys that needed to step up and play big and didn't. I mean, even just Pecorine, that Game 7, I mean, he had some off games. Almost every other game was an off game mm-hmm. for him. But Game 7, he had left let in some softies, and it was like, whoa, what is this? They didn't even look great, as we alluded to, against the Avalanche. Like, that's a team... You need to wipe the floor with that team. And with no with all due respect to the Avalanche, mm-hmm. they didn't even have like Varlamov was hurt, I think, or no goaltender was holding down the fort, because obviously Ham- I think Varlamov was hurt. It was but, Bernier and, and yeah, Hammond, but, uh, yeah. Hammond was starting, so obviously something was amiss. You know, the, Eric Johnson was hurt a big part of that season, like they they were a one line team. You yeah, can't let them take you six. To like, six games come is on. rough. And then, yeah, so, like, no, their window isn't closed. They're obviously, you know, Winnipeg and Nashville are the best teams in the co- in the division and probably in the conference. Sharks are out there, I guess. But Yeah, Vegas, maybe. 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 Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just I don't feel like they have that player that, you, that the whole team can turn to when a play has to be made. I mean, Mike Fisher retired. Look, no team has won. Like, I would take, you know, and he had a down year last year, but I would much rather have Vladimir Tarasenko than any one forward on their team, for sure, just in terms of, like, an elite play maker superstar. And, and that's, like, no team recently, in my opinion, has won a cup without... That guy, you know, the Capitals had Ovechkin. Obviously, the Penguins have had a lot of them, but Crosby and Malkin have been the constants. Yeah, I think who's the catalyst on that team? Yeah. Who's the guy that they're like, this is the guy that's going to pull this team over the edge? I always think of Philip Forsberg as their top star, but he's not dramatically better than anyone else on that group. He kind of just scores a little bit more than everybody else. He had 64 points. Victor Arvidsson had 61. Like, I think of their as being a huge golf and talent between those two, but there's not, or at least there's not a golf in production. Um, the one guy I'm really interested from, you know, a terrified perspective to see what role he plays is Eli Tolvanen or Ellie Tolvanen, who's their top prospect and one of the game's top prospects. He's very good. Um, I could see him being... Along the same lines, though, where he's not truly game-changing, but just a very good player. Um, he was one of the best player teenage players in KHL history, according to um, Pronman. Uh, he was an all-star just 18. He's one of the best shots outside of the NHL, but he's really sm- he's smaller, and he's not fast for a small guy. Uh, he will be a very good NHL talent, but again, I don't know if he rises above. Like, does he become the best player in their forward group? Because I think that's what they need mm-hmm. to really be like bona. Not even bona fide. They're already bona fide, but like to be a team that I would confidently say that team will win a cup. Yeah, like 
I will confidently say Winnipeg will win a cup. That's if I mean. Connor Hellebuck is what he was, or even nine-tenths of what he was last year, they have Patrick Laine, they have Mark Scheifele, they have Blake Wheeler, they have uh, Ehlers, they have you know Bufflin and Trubin. I mean, they've got not a, a stellar, stellar defense, but a lot of really good pieces good on enough. defense. That team is going to win a cup. If not this year, I think it'll probably be this year, but if not this year, then soon. Yeah, I pick Winnipeg over. We'll do our playoff picks probably before the season. Yeah, but I pick Winnipeg over Nashville every time in this division. So, and that's you know, who they have to get by. I just Great I, defense can only do so much against great offense. That's exactly As much as it. we say defense wins championships, the the – the Capitals don't have a great defense. Mm. The Penguins have never had a great defense. They always had Latang. Oh, man. Some of those cup wins, they were like giving up way more shots yeah. than they were creating. They always had Latang. Latang was a constant. So I feel like you need one really good defender, but you can't be like. Like, name me the other five. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I couldn't. Know. I don't know, Dumoulin, I think, <laughs> yeah, one You're right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I literally could not name you four of the Penguins defenders right now. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to dwell on the Predators for too long. But when you contrast them with the Jets, um, by the way, the Predators also, interestingly, have Emil Peterson, who's the younger brother of Elias Pettersson. Uh, who's going to be a superstar for the uh, Canucks? Oh, yeah, but Emil was apparently kind of a late bloomer and could was one of their best AHL players last year, so he could be like a bottom not bottom six kind of guy this yeah. year. But yeah, what, I mean, sorry. what about Pecorino? I think yeah, that's a big deal this year. That's the other big question because Rene was a problem for them last year. As much as I mean, he won the Vesna yeah. Trophy, he was phenomenal He's during like the season. Thirty five, thirty six. He really fell off. During the playoffs and was inconsistent. How many more do you have your cat friendly up? Uh, I can get it okay. up at the risk that the computer will fall apart. Oh, that's right. I'm so sorry. No, we'll try. I just want to know. I think he's got two years left on his Rene contract. definitely is done after this year. Oh, is he really? Okay. And then their backup, who is supposedly going to start for them eventually, yeah, is UC Sarah. So you, yeah. they have him on a really nice deal three years, 1.5 per. Is he Pecorine? Like, no, he could be a serviceable goalie, but I don't think he's Pecorine in his prime. But yeah. we don't know. We don't know yet necessarily. Well, plus, like, here's here's the, I'll say this is kind of controversial, but Ooh, hot take. Matt Murray had a great couple of series and helped the the Penguins win a cup and was crowned as their goalie of the future. I don't think he's especially great. He had a rough season last yeah. year. And and so you don't need greatness necessarily to be to win, but you can't have weaknesses. And I think that's Rene's limitation. Corey Crawford, we talked about him earlier. That dude is steady. Yeah, like that dude's he's consistent ne- he's as not hell. I mean he can steal you a game, but he's not gonna steal you a series. But he's not going to let howlers in. He's mm-hmm. just not. And I think, you know, I think if you if you got, um, what's his name? What's the Penguins president's name? I can't think of, or GM. I can't, it's totally blanking. Yeah, that's good. Um, Rutherford, Jim Rutherford. If you got Jim Rutherford in a room, 
under a spotlight and made him tell the truth, I think he'd tell you he wanted Marc-Andre Fleury back, probably. But he cost the Penguins cups. Right, which <laughs> is the stupidest narrative. So talking about Saros and Rene, Rene seemingly cost them last year, but is Saros going to come in and be as good as Rene? No, but I think that's their only option. I mean, well, he is their only option for now. But mm-hmm. you know, are they going to explore the market if Rene isn't Rene this to year? To keep the window open, yeah. I don't. I know. don't know. You know, I think Saros is good, but I don't think he's necessarily dramatically better than Billy Huso will be in a year or two. And I don't know if I'm going to be like, oh, we're winning a cup because we've got Billy Huso here now, and I like Billy Huso, but like. Yeah, I don't know. That, that to me, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I would have blown right past it. But that's a big question mark for them. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as I think Hellebuck may, they may have reached on that contract, and I don't know if he'll be as great next season, he's their guy for a long time, you know. And I just, I like the Jets better. I just do. I think Nashville... Yeah. I, that's that's the only reason I say their window's closing is kind of the same way that, like, the Capitals' windows was closed for so long because they were always having to get past the Penguins. And even though the Penguins would never win the conference or the division, mm-hmm. they would just never... I could see it being a very similar situation where they just never outwit the Jets in a playoff series. And that's kind of, like I said earlier, they're white whales to some extent. Um, so speaking of the Jets and, and other, like, what do you say? They lose yeah. Paul Stastny. They get Wheeler and Morrissey signed long-term. Um, Elliot Friedman, thankfully, admitted that they are uh, Canada's best team, which they certainly are. Suck it, Toronto. Phenomenal forward group. Wheeler, Line A, Ehlers, Scheifele, Kyle Connor was really good last year. 31 mm-hmm. goals. Who's the other guy that's coming Jack up? Jack Roslovich, Roslovich is pretty good. Roslovich, however you say it. Hellebuck, I'm following you. Hellebuck is set in stone. Bufflin, really underrated player, I think. Morrissey, all right. Truba, all right. Fine defensively. Do they have Tyler Myers? Still? I was, I was going to say, they still got the um, freakishly tall Tyler Myers. <laughs> which is his only remarkable attribute. But I still. think to a much lesser extent, he, what did he, he won Rookie of the Year in Buffalo a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and then he kind of fell off a little bit there. But I think to a much lesser extent, he reminds me of Eric Johnson, where like he's, I think he's a very steady defenseman mm-hmm. that people have kind of overlook because like well he what used to be or we thought he was gonna be really good but he turned out to just be okay would you rather have him or off injured zach bogosian that they traded yeah that's what i mean i'll take myers tyler myers for sure um i don't know there's not a lot else to say they don't have any prospects that are like banging down the doors Mm -hmm. i think the guy you'd look at most is is roslevic to the extent that you still want to call him a prospect I think they're an easy pick for winning this division and maybe and a pretty easy like, I could top t- contender. Like pick. I just said though, I could totally see them just keeping it in in second gear oh, yeah. all year. They don't not have to winning win the, the division, division no. and then just jet and I said jetting. No <laughs> pun intended, jetting through the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um I this to me is they're the team that on scares t- me On the paper, most. this is the best team in the NHL to me. Really? In the whole NHL? 
It, I mean, our lightning. Lightning. I guess. The lightning to me, I, they could. I'll put They're them right out there. I'll like, put them head and head with each other. But I, to me, they always the lightning. I'm like, holy moly! I want like a 15 game. I want one of those classic World Series that were like 11 games or 13 <laughs> games. Like, yeah. Put those two on a neutral ice for like 13 games and give me a winner. San Antonio. <laughs> Here you go, San Antonio. <laughs> Get your river walk ready. <laughs> um, they just play on the river walk. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Tampa's really good, too. But, but I do think Winnipeg's best in the West. Yeah. Sharks look good, but I still think Winnipeg's. But the Sharks, I mean, they got Carlson after. We talked about it yeah. last week. But, like, they're another forward group that I'm like, yeah. all right. Like, where's the high end on their forward group? I don't think it's really there. Evander Kane, duh. Yikes. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, do you want to say anything else about these teams in our division? I think our division isn't as controversial. Let's as... talk about center depth. Oh, yeah. Before we close. Okay. I think we we ended on, we just got through two of them, <laughs> basically. Uh, Dallas, that's Sagan, Spezza, uh, Foxa. Again. That's pretty good. I mean, if Spezza was relevant. If Spezza can rebound, but to me, again, it's kind of like Colorado. Real yeah. high end, then it kind of takes a nosedive. Fact, Fox is underrated, though. I really like him. Well, do you say what? He's a selkie, selkie yeah, candidate here and there. Yeah, he was a finalist there. this year. Got a lot of votes at the very least. Okay. I'm then really sorry for blowing my nose a lot. I'm sure that's he gross. He is disgusting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> center depth. For Minnesota, Eric Stahl, Miko Koivu, Charlie Coyle. It's like two old... Oh, that got bad real fast. Two old guys yeah. that I are mean, fine. I, I prefer the Blues to those guys, but like you said Stahl and Koivu, I was like, oh, I'm pretty good. And then you were like Charlie Coyle. I was like, oh. Yeah, not so great. I think Yikes. they might be replacing him. I don't Kunin, know. I guess, could be a, a Yeah, or Erickson Eck, I think, takes draws. So, I mean, I don't know. Erickson Eck, the worst name in hockey. I know. Except for maybe Eck. Oh, something about the EK noise. Ugh. I don't think it's a sound like, I don't know if that's, it's not really a glottal ick, stop, ick. but it's kind oh, of Oh boy, stop. go ahead, explain whatever no, that I'm is. I'm stopping, but like a glottal stop, you, you all know what a glottal stop Not is. this guy. It's that sound when, when British people say bottle, and they don't really make a noise, they just like close their throat, that's oh. a glottal stop, but like. I don't know. It's an it's a gross sound. That's the point. You gave me time to find out that the three centers. I was for stalling was. intentionally, people. Much like in a glottal stop, you intentionally <laughs> stall oh, your throat. <laughs> don't ever say that word again. Uh, uh, Nashville glottal stop. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Johansson, Kyle Turris, Nick Benino. I think. Comparable. I'm not sure. I give them the edge in that. I Nick, depends. It's real close. Playoff I, like, wise, not so great. It's real. It's eerily similar to me. Almost identical in in the sense of, you know, Johansson and O'Reilly are kind of your typical first line, not elite centers. Yeah. Shin and who was their second? Turris. I'd take Shin over Turris. I would. Yeah. I'd probably give a slight nod to Benino over Bozak, but it wouldn't be by much. Mm. And they're kind of all prototypically similar in some ways. I guess Turris is a little more of your traditional center than Shin is, so if you're looking for just, like, traditional center makeup, maybe you give him a little bit of an edge. But 
other than that, I'd, I'd rather have Shin as a player than Torres, especially after last year. Yeah, and then the Jets have Mark Shifley, Brian Little, and Andrew Kopp, who I've heard a lot about Andrew Kopp in the preseason supposedly mm-hmm. looking amazing, or like I guess yeah. he put in a lot of work in the offseason. I, I think they could they could take us, but yeah. not. I mean, I I think our center depth now is as good as anyone in our division. And really, if you factor in Robert Thomas, there aren't teams that have four deep as good as us. Agreed. Necessarily anywhere. I mean, there are teams that have you know Dryside on McDavid. Theoretically, they're better than us. But like, yeah, but Dryside they play on uh, McDavid's yeah, wing. So Malkin and Crosby, you know, but. Even still, you know, it's not. There aren't many teams that can go four deep with the Blues at center now, mm. which is a weird thing to say. Because end of last the, year, we the were only one deep. weakness. Yeah, the only weakness to our center core is just our first line. I really like O'Reilly, but he's not that you know McDavid Crosby level first yeah. line center. I think we'll talk about him a little more next episode. Just kind of what to expect, because I think a lot of people are like Ryan O'Reilly. That's going to be a dynamic forward. I'm like, he's going to be good. I don't know if he's going to be like the kind of good you're expecting. I feel like the thing the 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 results are almost split on him though, because I think there are a lot of people who are like gonna disappoint here, you know, mm. and just like kind of I I I almost feel like he's overlooked a little bit in this. Well, actually, we ran a poll earlier this week about, like, which of these new or returning mm-hmm. or incoming Blues players are you most excited to see. And I put O'Reilly on there along with, I think it was Maroon and Thomas and... Fabry. Fabry, yeah. And I was personally really surprised that O'Reilly ran away with it because I thought kind of there was the initial excitement about trading for him, but I thought that had kind of worn off and maybe the prospects and Fabry would sort of overrun him in the hometown hero angle of Maroon. So I'm glad fans are excited yeah. for him, but I think you're right that we'll need to have fair expectations. I just want to know, yeah, I've, I, I want to know what they'll be, I guess. Yeah, and I also worry, and maybe we'll put a poll out before next week, um, remind me to do a poll that's like, hey, what are you expecting from O'Reilly so, this year? If I remember correctly, I think I put one out like when we traded for him around uh-huh. then. I think I was like asking like 50 plus points, 60, 70 mm-hmm. plus points. And I think most of them fell around 60 plus, which yeah. I think is fair, but I'd like to see what people think now. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Um, yeah, I think the only thing I worry about for him is like, are people going to have seen what Shin did last year and be like, centers that get traded to this team add 30 points or whatever, oh, you know, oh, yeah. and be like, oh, that's not fair for O'Reilly at all. You well, know? that's a whole other thing, too. What's Shen going to do? Yeah, that's true. We'll talk about all of that next week. Do you have any more you'd like to say about our division? Um, do you want to talk about, I guess, like, what do you think the it ends up being, top to bottom, first to last? I think, you know, last year we put the Blues third. Mm-hmm. And I wavered a little bit. You can go back and listen to the tape. You were right to In do so. In my gut, I wanted to say they'd miss the playoffs. I really did at the time, and I didn't want to be negative Nelly. So he's going to say it this year. No. <laughs> this year, I'm, I, I think they'll be the third team. I agree. I think the Jets and the Predators, it's a coin flip which one takes first, and it doesn't really matter. They're going to be a good distance ahead of anyone else. 
I think last year, so last year, Predators had 117 points, Jets had 114, the Wild had 101. I really could see us poaching a lot of their points. Not, you know, just straight mm-hmm. from them, but I could see us hitting that lo- low 100, high 90s, and taking third. And then I tend to agree that two of the wild card teams will come from here, which I guess would mean it'd have to be the wild. And I do think it'll be the stars. I think the stars will overtake the avalanche in that respect. But it'll be close. And then I, do, I don't think there's much hope for the Blackhawks in this division. I really don't. Mm-hmm. And then, as we'll talk about next week, our big question mark is Jake Allen. And it's not crap on Jake Allen month, but... I mean, we'll talk about it next week. But We'll crap on them less when we start winning. And we haven't won anything with them yet this season, so there. <laughs> exactly. What do you think about the team? I'd say that's about where I'd put everybody. I think as much as, I, as, much as you were down on the wild and I was a little more up on them, I think it'll be, I think it'll be Jets, Nashville, us, and then wild card will be Dallas, in the first spot, and Minnesota in the second. Yeah, I could see Minnesota missing if a West, if a Pacific Division team overperforms their expectations. Minnesota's going to have to like, play. I could see the Flames doing a lot better than we thought. Mm-hmm. You know, and I could see two of the Flames, Oilers, and um, Knights, well, let's say three of those two, those three, and the Kings taking playoff spots and then i could see it being the wild that gets the boot Mm -hmm. but it'll be i think it'd be similar to this year where we missed by one point and then the third team missed by two more points i think kind of like how you alluded to a bit too i think this division will be more or less set Mm -hmm. i think it has a lot to do and they talked about this on 31 thoughts about the pacific because the pacific's just like a wild card of a division. Any of those teams could win the division. Any of those teams, well, Vancouver will be last. Any of those teams could be <laughs> second to last in that division. And so I think it's just like Minnesota, Dallas, they're set with how many points we think they'll get. And let's see if Calgary or, like you said, Edmonton does better or worse and just throw a dart at yeah, the board. I and do see. think with the, wet, with the Pacific, I think one will be the Sharks. Mm-hmm. And I think eight will be the Canucks. And two through seven, yeah. Roll a dice, go crazy. Literally, like I random really, number generator. Yeah. I have no clue. All of those teams could be pretty good, and any of them could be surprisingly bad for a number of different reasons we talked about last week. But yeah, our division. I think you know the haves and the have-nots a little more. It's pretty much the haves are everybody, and then the have-nots are the Blackhawks. <laughs> and it's just kind of which have-nots miss. And I do think with the Blues, the risk, you know, the only risk is a goaltending issue that could make them one of the have-nots again. Yeah. But I think we've done enough that hopefully that won't happen. Even last year, even as rough as Allen was, we only missed by a point, and we did not have nearly the forward death we now have. That's so true. I think it's good for us. We'll talk about it more next year. Are you re- Next week, are you ready to wrap this thing up? It, Go for it. It wasn't a three-hour podcast. 
it was an almost two-and-a-half-hour podcast. That's our plan. We'll just decrease it by 30-minute intervals until we don't do a podcast Until we anymore. just squawk at each other for one second. <laughs> uh, thank you all for bearing with all our nose-blowing and other disgusting Our nose-blowing. Don't um, you pin that on me, sir. <laughs> uh, we will talk to you next week about the blues and whatever nonsense news comes out of Ottawa. I'm sure there will be more of it. <laughs> Until then, thank you for listening, and we're in Ipswich, so I guess I'll say cheerio. Bon voyage. (laughs)